2: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Time now for the character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: snowy morning everyone and welcome to Carriker and Smallman minus Smallman with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN it's 701 your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex Jeweler
4: Daniel how'd you do getting into work this morning not too shabby Randy Uh, I would say this though for everybody that's out there please be safe please be uh, careful because it is icy Mm -hmm. and uh, not as you can imagine not a lot of traffic on the roads I, I have this situation at home I don't know if you do so uh, I have a son now that's driving, so he's got a car. I got a car. The wife's got a car. So you're outside. You got it. Me too. So <laughs> it uh, takes a while to uh, get that baby uh, deiced, I guess. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, you gotta you gotta wipe it off. You gotta you gotta scrape it all off. That took a little while. So I was up early, ready to go, and uh, made it in on time. But it's gonna take some time, and just be careful and and uh, be safe out there yeah if you want me uh to dan i can go up in the uh, 101 espn jet copter if you'd like i i can do it well we got it fired it up, up it's ready to go was it able to go up oh yeah even in the snow can uh, Go up in the snow in the ice, ice. Yeah, no kidding I'm,
3: I'm kind of fearless in that regard go go for it all right here we go well let's get her up All right, as we look down on the St. Louis metro area, it looks like it is slick and slow wherever you are. If there are cars on the road, they're going slow, and you need to go slow, too, whether you're going uh, 270, 40, 55, 44, 170. If you're out there on 55, just take it easy. Very slow, very slick this morning out on the St. Louis roadways and byways. I'm Captain Randy Carricker in 101 ESPN
4: Jetcopter 2. All right, Randy. Thank you very much. Bob Hamilton here, and we'll come back to you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think uh, all uh, helicopter travel for uh, weather will probably be grounded today. Kind of icy. So we appreciate you being with us.
3: Thank you very much. Very well done. Appreciate that. Uh, We have a fun show coming up for you. We're going to talk to Eli Drinkwitz at the end of the show. Today is the second National Letter of Intent Day. So the coach of the Tigers is going to join us at 945. Before that, Bernie Federco at 815. And at 845, David Euban, who covers the SEC for The Athletic. And he has a piece up on the SEC winners and losers in the transfer portal. (laughs) And so we're going to talk to him about that. It's also
4: known as College Free Agency, Randy. It's wild
3: it really is and how about and we're going to get into our normal headlines here but how about lincoln riley at usc going out and getting caleb williams who was his yep. starting quarterback last year it is oklahoma west but he had gotten malaki nelson yep. his number one recruit top five quarterback in the country to stay and to commit to usc and he still gets caleb williams who has three years of eligibility left he got yeah. his receiver from oklahoma his top receiver They've got pretty good offensive linemen there. I really think, Dan, that USC is going to be back in the national championship hunt
4: this year in 2022. I'm going to not take that. I'm going to say two years. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to take two years. I think they'll be much improved. They're going to move up, but they're going to become a power again in the West. And when you think about name, image, and likeness in terms of college sports, Randy, Is there any better place to go than Los Angeles and and USC or UCLA? I mean, especially USC, where you've been a power in multiple decades. You've been tremendous under Pete Carroll. You were great under uh, John Robinson at one point. You were very good. Now he lost that job. You were great in the 60s. You've been a national power. You're supposed to be a national power. And now if you include name, image, and likeness, and by all accounts, the Oklahoma quarterback that transferred, a big part of it was because of Lincoln riley but he also said nil had something to do with it he was like well kind of didn't didn't but people behind the scenes are like no they kind of rolled out the red carpet and said hey here's what's at your disposal and this is no shot to norman oklahoma and i'm sure there would have been boosters that step up and take care of him but you go out to usc and you become so marketable in los angeles that's a big difference well and not only that but Lincoln Riley's turned out two
3: top yes. quarterbacks, top players in the draft in Absolutely. Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. So if you're a quarterback, you say, well, that's what I – you do that at USC. You're the top pick in the draft from USC. It's
4: pretty darn good. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, what do you think the job of the AD is right now? And I said, I don't think it's ever changed in this regard. Number one is fundraising. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've got a, – I'm keeping up with the Joneses. I'm trying to raise as much money as I can to – add my part of the stadium and suites and do all the things that i got to do weight room whatever but i think number two is where are the edges where are the gaps right. that i can find in nil that's why desiree reed Francois at mizzou and that's it i mean I, scheduling and keeping coach it we'll figure it out we got money mm-hmm. we, we can do that if we can put 300 million into a stadium i can figure out how to pay a coach and try to keep them here right but how can we gain the edge to get players right. with NIL? And now it's the wild, wild west. Yeah, there are no limits, and any player can go
3: anywhere. It's almost amazing to me that it really is.
4: It's wilder than free agency in pro sports because there are no contracts. Here's the thing that's, that I find funny, though, is like you have Elaine Kiffin or you have some of these other coaches that are coming out and complaining and it's like, well, when the money was available for you as a coach to jump mm-hmm. from school to school, I didn't hear a lot of complaining. But right. now when some of that money's going to the coaches Which or to the players, the players yep. excuse me, we got a problem with it? Uh-uh. Yeah. I, mean, I ain't buying that.
3: All right. Yesterday, late in the afternoon, a bombshell. And the NFL oh. is going to find themselves back in the courtrooms. The former Dolphins coach, Brian Flores, who had interviewed with the Giants and interviewed with the Denver Broncos filed a lawsuit against the NFL. Adam Schefter of ESPN explaining what it's all about.
5: Brian Flores, the former Miami Dolphins head coach and his attorneys filed a lawsuit today in a court in Manhattan that alleges racism in hiring from the New York Giants, the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and the National Football League. He is seeking unspecified damages for the process that is well spelled out in this lawsuit that was filed today. There are texts from New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick that are being used as evidence in which Bill Belichick congratulates, essentially, Brian Flores thinking that it was Brian Dayball and Bill Belichick then saying, I'm sorry to have gotten this wrong. But yes, I believe they're naming Brian Dayball as the next head coach when Brian Flores hadn't even interviewed for the job yet.
3: Thank you, Dan. And uh- I I get Adam Schefter because you bring the big name, you bring Belichick into it. But the most damning parts of this lawsuit are A, what he said uh, about the Giants, B, the fact that John Elway and the Broncos a few years ago showed up late for an interview. Disheveled. Uh, Yeah, Elway looking late. He'd been out drinking all night. Right. And then to me, the biggest one is that Flores accuses Stephen Ross, the owner of the yes. Dolphins, of offering
4: him a hundred thousand dollars a loss to lose games. That is amazing to me. And you and I were talking about this last night. As uh, let me pull back the curtain with Randy and I's uh, relationship here. If anything hits in sports, we get on the phone with each other. We're it talking. starts. It's a text. It's something going on. And I said, "Hey, man. I said, have you seen that Stephen Ross?" is an investor in a sports betting startup I had no idea so he's a billionaire he's invested in the sports gambling startup the action network which is another move by the NFL to the owner to capitalize on the growing trend of legal sports betting and I think that we all realize that we would be naive to think that sports Gambling is coming into every realm of sports, and certainly the NFL has talked a lot about getting into that. You've mentioned it; how that is going to explode the the money in the sport. Now, I bring that up because if you're asking a coach and offering him, if this is true, a hundred grand to throw games to get better positioning in the draft, now you're asking a guy to essentially throw games. Now, if he's part, if, if he's supposed to be a, a part of a gambling. Uh, company, legalized gambling, but yet you are behind the scenes asking to throw games, I think that would be a real problem and a conflict of interest. I would say the fix literally
3: would be it. That would be something that the FBI would look into. Another thing the league must look into is Brian Flores claims that he was invited to a lunch on Stephen Ross's yacht. He shows up and Stephen Ross says there's a high-profile NFL quarterback that I'm trying to get (laughs) that's going to join us. Presumably, that was Deshaun Watson. And Flores said, a a nfl quarterback that's under contract he said yeah and so flores left left the yacht but apparently ross because by nfl rule he couldn't be it would be be tampering tampering, right right? and
4: ross was fully prepared to
3: tamper with an nfl quarterback this is like ballers
4: yeah Uh, and, and the other thing is is from brian flores perspective obviously you have the rooney rule which is you need to before you hire somebody interview an african-american right and so he doesn't want to be just the guy thrown in is saying well we check the box and the the belichick i think the point of the belichick text is that well they had already hired their guy even though you're scheduled to be interviewed but really you're not getting the job they're just checking the box that's wrong that's that's not right and i think that's what he's trying to bring to light with this situation the thing that's i i look at going forward randy and i don't know if you agree with this is that um First of all, in terms of Flores, his career in the NFL as a coach may be done. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, this takes some real big you-know-what to, to do. This takes some guts to, to step out in the middle, in the prime of your coaching career, and basically take on the league. And that's what he's doing. Um, the other thing is, though, it could be a lot of he-said-she-said said stuff. So you, you got to have receipts on this, if you will. Text messages. Were there other people that could witness it to corroborate what you're saying? Um, It's a slippery slope. So in a day in which the the, arguably the greatest player that ever played officially retired, Jim Harbaugh, a huge name in the sport, gets the Vikings job, which we haven't even mentioned yet. Mm -hmm. This is the main story. And uh, it's not good for the league. I mean, the league at this point has dealt with the St. Louis lawsuit, which could have been still going on right now. It could be in trial. And and now you have the Flores incident. It's just not good for the league. And, Here's the thing, though, as I said to you last night, we all can say these things, and it's not great, but I'll tell you what, in about 10 days, there's going to be 90 to 100 million people watching that game on a Sunday, and that's yep. the juggernaut that the that's, NFL is. That's what it
3: is. Yep. Exactly
4: right. You mentioned that Jim Harbaugh reportedly headed the Vikings, uh, set to
3: interview with them, quote-unquote, today, but apparently he has the job and he's ready to leave Michigan and go to the Vikings, And we, as we said yesterday. If you're a Bears fan, how do you feel about
4: Jim Harbaugh landing there when he was your guy? And you know the agents of these coaches are talking. The coaches are all talking. It's circulating. And they're saying, and and Jim Harbaugh is probably thinking to himself, you know what, I beat Ohio State. I did it. I beat him handily. Mm -hmm. Uh, I finally did it. Got that off my back and got the university back on track. Almost took them to the national championship game. We went to the Final Four. Have I maxed this thing out? And he's smart. I mean, to me, coaches last generally, typically, it's about a four to six year yep. period. And then at that point, you know, you, you fall on deaf ears, whether it be with your players, your administration, the president, boosters, whatever. It's time to move on. And maybe that's the way that he felt. But you as a university and you as a uh, a franchise in the NFL, you got to know that. So if he's mm-hmm. out there and that's the guy you want, go get him. You got it. You got it. Like you said yesterday is 100% right. You say it all the time. You've got to make the individual tell me no. Right. And you have to
3: make a legitimate offer to that guy. A couple of other things. Baseball. There were meetings yesterday between uh, the major leagues and Major League Baseball Players Association. Jeff Passon of ESPN reporting there was no significant progress. And that almost ensures a delay in spring training, which was and is supposed to start on the 14th of this month. Couple of hockey scores for you. The Coyotes came back and beat the Avalanche. Lawson Krause tying the game at happen? 1933 of the third. And then Coyote the Coyotes win it in a shootout. Go what? Coyotes. How about that? The Yotes over What? Yeah, they beat the, the Avalanche. Lost a little money on fan. Calgary scores three in the third <laughs> to beat the Stars four to three. Nishfield beats Vancouver four to three. And the Jets fall to the Flyers three-one. And sad news. Uh, former Cardinal outfielder yeah. David Green, who was the centerpiece of the trade that sent Ted Simmons yeah. and Pete Vukovic and Raleigh Fingers
4: to the Brewers back before the 1981 season. He passed away at the age of 61. Yeah, very sad news. I would heard that he was struggling with his health, and um, not to say it was inevitable with what was going to happen uh, you know, within a week or two, but I did hear it was... Maybe coming and to prepare for it. So uh, my my thoughts and prayers go to his family and and his teammates that played with him because uh, a lot of guys were very close to David Green and David Green,
3: one of the people that got injured in nineteen eighty two that caused the Cardinals to bring up
4: Willie, Willie McGee. McGee. That's right. And the rest is history. It sure is.
3: All right. We're off and running here on this snowy Wednesday morning on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Oh, yeah, ESPN. we brought it
1: back. Yes. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN Question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN.
3: All right, Ask Uncle Randy is generally a little bit different when Michelle is here as opposed to when Dan's here. How do you figure? Uh, I think Michelle takes more of a. uh, more of a feminine approach to this. All right. She also doesn't steeple her hands with a mischievous look in her eyes. Exactly. The way, the way right. To There's nothing this is fun. This is enjoyable. Nothing is off the table. Nothing is off the table on ask uncle Randy. Get your text <clears throat> into the ear comfort service text line 65780. We do want to hear Smitty. from you. Here <laughs> on 101 ESPN. By the way, can I make a little point here? Yeah, sure Randy. Shockingly. Andy. Yeah. The NFL Network is actually covering the Brian Flores lawsuit that is shocking I
4: don't know what they're saying but they're actually talking about it which is shocking to me I think they have to on this one you know with the St. Louis Rams you can say well they're they're out of the the league Mm -hmm. and you know it's cranky Uh, yeah we're good yeah now they didn't
3: uh, what they're doing now is putting up Roger Goodell's statement they right (laughs) and then we'll move on real fast
4: uh what about Tom Brady yeah uh, Uncle Randy, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Now, let's also, for fans that don't know, Uncle Randy is... I'm old. Yeah, you're just old, but you have sage advice, correct? Yes. Okay. I try to provide it. All right. But. So, you know, Randy, I was thinking, Uncle Randy, I was thinking, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people work from home and mm-hmm. still do. But uh, today, I'm sure a lot of people are kind of reverting back to, you know, like, hey, I got to work from home and sometimes those those people are single or maybe they're you know living with a significant other mm-hmm. snow coming down maybe it's uh, lunchtime what happens do you do you continue with your productive work or what goes on oh no you go down and have lunch this is like tuna sandwich and tomato soup or grilled
3: cheese sandwich and tomato soup you go down and have lunch and have an, an ordinary day like
4: you would gotta eat you well, have to have I, sustenance. I, was, I was kind of thinking of something else. Um, you know, you're well, you with don't your, go out for
3: a drive. Well, like no, you're, you're not going to do that. But you're do. with your
4: significant other. You know, you got a lunch break. And uh, as they say, it's just lunch. But Dan. Uncle can, Randy. It's a snow day for the kids, right? Well, I'm saying that there's no kids at the house. So, you're oh, yeah. you're they, just living with yeah, your, you know. Sure, if, if you want it, to. But it's, it's on company sledding, time. Sledding's like a three hour activity. I, both of you guys are kind of yeah. missing where i Well, that's the true. An, that's that, the, that's uh, what I'm co- saying. Sledding's okay, no, okay. like a three hour activity. All right. That's I'm i I will say,
3: yeah, it's, yeah, you go up in 15 minutes to uh, prepare and have your tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches, 15 minutes to take care of
4: that activity, and then move back on to work. 15 yeah. minutes. 15 seconds if you're Rick Patino. Boy, uh, Aunt Joan must be uh, frustrated. We move on. <laughs>
6: Michelle, Michelle
4: would have never let this happen. She tell me she, Michelle would be asking these kind of questions. I don't think so. <laughs> never
1: would let this go this far.
4: <laughs> Sorry, Uncle Randy, but you gave me some sage advice. No, you need that. Uh, Yeah. um, Okay. So you can uh, text in as well if you'd like to visit with Uncle Randy. Uncle Randy, I have a lot of questions, if I I may. Um, Your advice to driving on the roads today. I mean, if you are in a, let's say, a truck or if you're just in your, uh, you know, your little sports car, what are you doing? A couple of things. Number one, don't think that you can drive like
3: it's 60 degrees outside. Drive slowly. If you happen to get on on a highway behind a plow, stay 100 yards 500 feet behind that plow and follow it because that plow is clearing a path for you but don't tailgate it stay at least 500 feet behind it okay and my, my best piece of advice is if you have the ability to stay home do so don't okay. go out shopping today you should have shopped yesterday or the day before this is nasty stuff dan we both th- on our cars a mine. I had trouble opening the door because it was completely covered with ice. I did too. It was frozen. Yeah. yeah. So if if it's on your car, it's on the road. Yeah. So if you can avoid it, this is not just snow. This is ice. So my
4: recommendation would be, if at all possible, to stay in. Hey, Uncle Randy. Yeah. Uh, how how long have you lived in St. Louis? All my life, 59 years. Okay. So you you've dealt with some storms. Mm-hmm. Um, I have too. I'm, I'm born and mm-hmm. raised here. Uh, now at your your elder stages of your life, because yes. Uncle Randy's about 72 or so, uh-huh. 75 in that range. Yep. Uh, does this weather piss you off and you say, you know what, it's time to go to Florida. It's just time to go to Florida or Arizona or wherever you want to go. Well, first of all, Dan.
3: Yes. Yes, it does piss me off. I get tired of it. Okay. And my preference would be to be playing golf in Scottsdale. And then I can go down there and I've
7: been around, you know, tell
3: tell them I'm old. And yeah, yes, I do get tired of it. I think the play, if you get old, is to leave probably middle of January, leave St. Louis and then come back in, come back for opening day of the baseball season.
4: Okay. All right. I'd like that. If you can do that. 314 Uncle Randy. How do I finally move past my disgust of Cronky and stop caring what the Rams do? In other words, how can I move from hate-watching the Rams to total indifference? All right. I think this is something that only time can solve. And I know that Bernie wrote a piece
3: at scoopswithdannymack.com about And people should need to
4: go to scoopswithdannymack.com. It's really got a lot of insight. But, go ahead. Go ahead.
3: And I respect Bernie immensely. Bernie writes daily there. He does. And he... Has moved on, but this is something that this everybody, is from a text,
4: and I struggle with it too. I, Randy, well, help me, Uncle the, Randy. Please. Here's the
3: thing: it's something that everybody deals with in a different way. People grieve in a different way. When you have a death in the family, when you have a divorce, people take different amounts of time, and some people actually take joy in the misfortune of their former spouse. Okay, I'm not going to tell you to move on. I, I'm I, I'm in the same boat as you, and I, like Bernie wrote, I and I said this on Monday. I think I don't let it control my day if the Rams win, but allow it to give yourself a little joy because it really is, in my opinion, it's something that's fun. That it, it's only sports you
4: you can enjoy it. I don't think there's any real good reason to. Get over it, I really don't. Was that was that Bob?
3: Yeah, it was. Yes.
4: Was that in an interview with your nephew, Randy Carriker? Uh No, that was with uh, Bernie, w- from oh. the Bernie
3: show. when, he, when he Okay, was. all right. Uh, and that's what Bob said about our infatuation with Cronky and the Rams. Now, even though we have a settlement to the lawsuit, the fact of the matter is uh, I have lived here 59 years, and he attacked my city. Yeah. And I don't think that that's something that I'm, I should be forced to get over quickly. Hey, we had... The other day, we had that poll, who is the most hated person in the history of St. Louis sports? And in a 12-hour poll on Twitter, we had 12,000 votes. So if there's interest in it, and there clearly is, I have no problem talking about it. Yeah, okay. Uh, And by the um, way, most of the stuff that we come up with is actually kind of fresh, too. It's not like when we talked on Monday, the Rams had just won.
4: That's right. We're still finding out new and interesting things. Okay, Uncle Randy, it's a baseball question Mm -hmm. from the 573. Uncle Randy... um, How am I to get through the lockout right now, and uh, what's, what's your advice for approaching this season? Okay, here's my
3: approach, and this would be my advice. Don't worry about the lockout until it really affects us, and that's when spring training doesn't start in a couple of weeks. But even then,
4: can unless I, you're going you to this, spring though? training, yeah. Okay, so does if they miss a couple of weeks but then get into it, you have, let's say, one week of workouts, three weeks of games, and then you have opening day and the Clydesdales are there, you're cool? Yeah, the lockout
3: didn't affect me because the Cardinals made their move. I, I think the Cardinals, Dan... Uh, nephew Dan have yeah. made as many moves since December 1st as they would have had there not been a lockout what about a DH though uh, we're going to touch on that in oh, our okay. next segment alright but maybe even not then so anyway I'm I'm unaffected by the lockout I'm frustrated by the fact that they're not going to start spring training on time but I'm willing to chill I've got other things to keep an eye on here the Olympics start tomorrow That's I'll be right. to keep an eye on that Uh, Obviously, we've got other hockey while the Blues aren't playing. So we've got that. And there is going to be a level of intrigue leading up to the Super Bowl because we are Cincinnati. Cincinnati is us. For all of our fights with Johnny Cueto and uh, the, the... the that's other... baseball though we can move past that but, right yeah, we, we've had our issues with
4: Cincy in the past but we are as one now so final question for Uncle Randy yes. we got to wrap up the segment mm-hmm. uh it's a cold chilly day out there you're about 76 years old mm-hmm. yeah you know you don't like to go outside a lot so no. the rest of your day is spent hey. with uh Aunt Joan and uh, you know what are you gonna do my plans for today when I
3: go home I have a slow cooker chicken recipe that I'm going to do for dinner tonight.
4: I thought Uncle Randy was going to do that yesterday. No, I just got the stuff yesterday oh, okay. to, to do it. Because Did you have to wait in line a long time to get it? Not at all. Oh, good.
3: Okay. No, Costco, there was nobody there. It was great. All right. So anyway, because the ice and snow has covered up the Traeger, yeah. I can't use the grills. Gotcha. So I'm going to do a slow cooker chicken. And yesterday I went to the library and collected some material. And I'm uh, just doing some show research for the future. And I've got a, a lot of stuff. I, one of the things, I, I, I as like you what know, you brought in. I, I had fun at the uh, library yesterday because I, I've been thinking about getting this. And I just had never gotten it for you out in the listening land. So when the Rams played the Chargers here, it was November 10th of 2002 that they played... San Diego and came back, Isaac Bruce scoring two touchdowns on his birthday in the last uh, three minutes and six seconds of the game. Mark Bulger was magnificent and the Rams came back to beat the Chargers. And at the conclusion of that game, Marty Schottenheimer, who had coached for 10 years in Kansas City, where they always put up a sign on their big screen that says, the loudest stadium in the world. And Schottenheimer had coached great teams there for 10 years. So it got loud at Arrowhead. And after that game here in St. Louis at the Dome, Marty Schottenheimer said, quote, about the the St. Louis, quote, their crowd deserves a significant portion of this success. I've never been in an arena that had the kind of crowd noise that they had today. It's a tribute to their fans. It was very, very difficult. We didn't manage it very well. So here's a guy that coached 10 years in the loudest stadium in the world saying that the loudest arena that he'd ever been in was the one right here in St. Louis. That's impressive. That's cool.
4: So, anyway, I like so that I you dug the, that up on, like, the uh, microfilm. I did, yeah. I was at the library? Just, yeah.
3: That's cool. It's a, I, I had to practice because I make it a uh, question today is how many career home runs did J.J. J. Hardy hit? Yeah, that's on Matt.
4: You can't be uh, enough with the numbers unless you're going to give some uh, <laughs> options, Matt.
2: It feels like a shot. It
4: was a shot <laughs> right direct. across the bow. Pretty,
2: pretty direct. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm going to get off my joke about how I think the only thing that people do less than read the newspaper is go to the library and print out old newspapers. But we I like but, that. You but did he's, that. The, he's he old. The he's Uncle Randy. That's true. He put in the work. I like that. Yeah. And
3: you can't find that article on the interwebs. Nope. Nope. I've searched for it before. I had to do this. Yeah. I no love chance. it. I, I think it's I great. I can find do. old football Cardinal stuff. By the way, our friend Bob Underwood, who yeah. runs the Big Red STL site, I asked him last night what the greatest snow game was in football Cardinal history. And you should follow Big Red STL. It's awesome. It's an old football was Cardinal. Was it in 85? it was Dan Deardorff's final game in 83 83 and it was right. unbelievable mm-hmm. he's that's got a picture right. up uh, if you just go to uh Big Red STL and uh, go to uh tweets and replies he replied with a picture of it you know and then we cheered we we were going we want Deardorff we want Deardorff because Dan wasn't starting at that point right. at the end of his career and uh, Hanny put him in
4: you know what we ought to get Bob on would he would he do a radio uh, interview Yeah, absolutely. We got to get him on. That'd be a fun segment. Let's
3: do it this week. Okay,
4: cool. We got nothing else going on. Yeah.
3: Bob's a good guy. All right. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. And by the way, thanks for your text. Good job, Uncle Randy. Randy. Thank you very much. Uh, Coming up at some point, baseball transactions are going to come back. And Dan and I are each going to pick three free
1: agents, reasonable free agents,
3: after the lockout for the Cardinals to sign. That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: Dan and Randy on 101 ESPN. Eventually, baseball is going to reach a labor agreement. I miss talking a lot of baseball, Randy. I just want
4: to say that. Okay, go. And
3: we're going to have free agency again. And with free agency, the Cardinals and every other team are going to have to fill out their rosters. So, Dan and I were tasked with picking out three reasonable free agents to add to the Cardinals when they do return. And, Dan, I want to start with this. We know who the starting eight is going to be. Your outfield is obviously going to have O'Neill in left. It's going to have Bader in center. It's going to have Carlson in right. Your infield is going to be Arenado, probably DeYoung, Edmond, and Goldie with Yachty behind the plate. And for the most part... You can put together a bench with what you have. Wouldn't you agree that you, you don't oh, yeah. have to add somebody to the bench right
4: now? No, you don't. Even with the DH in play. Um, yeah. You know, you're talking about if you wanted Sosa to get playing time, you could make DeYoung your DH. If you wanted uh, a right-handers on the mound and you want uh, Lars Newbar to be your guy, he could be your guy. Or Gorman. Or Nolan Gorman if he is uh, going to be penciled in to break camp and and go north with the club. Juan Yepes is another option which does go into my thinking of, of some of these free agents that maybe we discussed right here Mm -hmm. is that the Cardinals say, and I talked about it with BK and Ferrario and T-bone yesterday. Maybe that's the direction that they go is that, Hey, we can buy time with some of these young Mm -hmm. players. We can live with it. And we find out a little bit more about them. And then at that point we can invest as we go along or make a trade. And unfortunately that's what happened last year. They didn't
3: plan on having to use guys like John Gant in the rotation or, uh, Oviedo in the rotation, but they did, and that's why they had to go out and get J-Hap and get Lester down the stretch because they, they had no choice, but they're able to do that. So let's pick out some free agents. Dan, I'll give you my first. You give me your first. And my mine are in no particular order okay. of desire, okay? okay? But I don't have faith in Michaelis staying healthy. I, I honestly question
4: the ability of all the Cardinal pitchers to give me 30 or 31 You can make a starts. case for every one of those right. guys saying hey, we better have a backup plan for sure.
3: So I want a starting pitcher who's done it before. Zach Davies is going to come cheap. Now, I know you hate the idea of Zach Davies right now. He has at one point led the league in starts. Just He's three durable. years ago. He's yeah, in, in the last last full season Major League uh, Baseball played in 2019. Uh He and didn't have any COVID things going on. He made 31 starts for the Brewers, had a 3.55 ERA, turns 29 next week. He's been an innings guy. Granted, he had a terrible year with the Cubs. He led the league in walks. But in his career before last year, Dan, he had 199 walks in 684 innings, 2.6 walks per nine innings, which plays into what the Cardinals really want. I know his exit velocity last year was really bad, but I think that was in part attributable to being in Chicago and being with that staff because throughout the course of his career, he's actually been reasonably good. So Zach Davies, as a reclamation product, project for Mike Maddox, is my first guy.
4: So his ground ball percentage was 43%, and you say, okay, all right, I can live with that, but you hit on something that I, I cannot live with with this defense, and that's walks. I can't yeah. have it, and and that's one of the problems that he had. Now, he hadn't been nearly as bad uh, prior to last year. It was about four and a half per game. He average. was messed up for some reason. Yeah. He was
3: messed up last year.
4: Well, sometimes that is because are is that you're getting hit hard. And you pitch a little scared, mm-hmm. so you're you're tentative. You're you're picking corners. And remember when Daryl Kyle, Daryl Kyle, how messed up he was pitching in yeah. Colorado. And that could that has happened in Wrigley before. And I think and you're right. And I think you look at guys like that and think we can fix him. And especially if he's got a high ground ball rate, yeah. we can convince him, hey, let the ball be hit and play. And yeah, you're going to get hit hard sometimes, and that's going to happen. We yeah. can live with that. It's okay. And this is my sixth starter at best. Yes. he. I signed him to a minor league contract. I'm not
3: going to try to blow out the bank, but I, I don't want to go into a year like I did last year where
4: I don't have a, an established major league sixth starter. Right. And I, I'm with you on that. I, I, I've said this many times. I was dead wrong. I thought they had plenty of pitching Me going too. into last year, and they didn't. And it just proved to me, again, the old adage, you can't have enough pitching, right. period. And that that month of June, when you were watching John Gant walk the ballpark, and it was bases-loaded situations, and he was, you knew the pendulum was going to swing. He was getting out of all those situations. And it was crazy, statistically, historically, like off the charts impossible. how well. Yes, it was like <laughs> impossible. Like you knew this isn't going to last. He had that start against Detroit, and it was frustrating to watch. He just couldn't throw strikes. Yeah. It, that to the point you had to go out and get Wade LeBlanc. And Wade yeah. LeBlanc settled everything down. He was really oh, a key guys. Yes, really a key to the season. Okay. Uh, again, as we said, no particular order. I'm really fascinated with Michael Pineda. And and I'll tell you why, because he could be a de facto starter if you wanted him to be but also that swing guy that you're talking about too randy he's done work out of the bullpen as well and so i'd be okay with that and i'd be fine with that and when i initially heard that the cardinals were trading with the twins i thought it was michael pineda that was coming the other way Mm. you know when they made that deal and Gant was going there and i thought well, that's it. They're going to get Michael Pineda. And there's some of the intangibles that he brings to the table that fit the Cardinals. And obviously it was Jay Happ that they got. But um, Pineda, I kind of did a deep dive at that time on the uh, at the trade deadline. I thought, this is a guy that can kind of fit. You know, he, he could be that guy to bridge the gap if somebody goes short. He could be that guy if you needed a start. So that is somebody I'm looking for in terms of I think they will go out and get more pitching. That would be somebody I'd be looking at. Good one. Dan, I really like the talent in the Cardinal bullpen with Cabrera and
3: Reyes, Helsley, Whitley, Woodford. Hicks, maybe. Hicks, maybe. TJ McFarland, uh, Gallegos. I, I really like the the talent of the group. And especially with Andrew Miller gone, I'm not thrilled with the experience of the group. And I thought about two guys here. I thought about Ian Kennedy, who's married to a St. Louis girl and has really adapted well to being a bullpen pitcher. But I keep coming back to Joe Kelly. And Jerry Gould had reported that the Cardinals had expressed interest in Kelly before the lockdown. He's an experienced guy who, when you have a young bullpen that needs to learn all about a short memory and needs to learn to breathe like Izzy taught Wayno, Joe Kelly is the kind of guy that can provide that sort of leadership and a personality that loosens things up not just for a bullpen but for a whole team that i think could use a guy that loosens loosens
4: things up a bit i know for a fact he'd be more than welcome uh to the idea of coming back to st louis he loved his time in mm-hmm. st louis loved it uh and he loves the organization he loves the fan base there's no hard feelings so that door is open if it's there now he made 8.8 million dollars last year dodgers declined the option to bring him back this year the the thing that I really like about him is, number one, he is a shutdown reliever now in his career. He's had 10 years now in the major yeah. leagues, which is amazing to think about, but he's a shutdown guy, so you need to get an out or an inning in the seventh or the eighth in a tight game. Man, I feel really comfortable with Joe Kelly. The other thing I'm going to say, too, Randy, is that if Gallegos is your closer, and by all accounts, I would think he is going into next season, and I've got no issues with that, but... If he needs a day off or if there's ineffectiveness, Joe Kelly could slide right in and be your closer. So when they came through St. Louis last year, he was dominant, man. He was throwing upper 90s with nasty stuff. And I mean, he looked unhittable. Mm -hmm. He looked unhittable. And I was like, this is the guy that, you know, we saw glimpses of in St. Louis. And if he can get consistent with that, which by all accounts he was in year two with the Dodgers, then you got something there. I don't know what the price tag would be. I don't know what he's looking for. I don't know if he wants to be a closer. You know, some guys get to yeah. this point in their career and they say, Hey, if I'm gonna be a reliever, the way to make the most money is to be a closer, and that's the way I'm gonna position myself in the open market. And let's not forget he is coming off an injury, so it's something to keep in mind. So you have him on his on your list too, Joe? I, I had him on the outside looking in, okay. but I, I'll go with a hitter. Uh I'm gonna go Jock Peterson so i i really like jock peterson i i loved what he did with the cubs uh his brother by the way is a coach in the cardinals minor league system yep um i think you need a left-handed bat especially if you have the dh so if you consider where the cardinals are right now in the balance of righty lefty in their lineup you've got dylan carlson a switch hitter you got tommy edmund so that's it Mm -hmm. uh and now you could add some thump and you know what he might be to the point in and i mean this in in the most respectful way where he's just a kind of the hired gun the mercenary in his career maybe he doesn't feel like i need to be an everyday outfielder which is what he wanted to do when he went to chicago they told him you will play against righties and you're going to play against lefties so he had the chance to do that established that he could do it and he did it well and then went on to atlanta and was really a factor for them um when they when he was picked up by the Braves it also gives me a comfort level that if somebody gets hurt or if i need somebody to fill in or we have a double header or whatever or a pinch hitter i got a big thumper jock peterson coming off the bench i like that idea dan i want a player that
3: and this will be my third guy by the way i want a player that can play every position i don't want to move tommy edmund off of second base i'm totally with you man i i'm so on that i Dude just want a gold glove. And I know he can. He, he fits what baseball is right now because he's one of those guys that can play yes, every position. He's, I, I get he's it. got the abilities of Chris Taylor. But you said the main thing. He's a gold glover. You don't take him off second base. You, you don't take gold glove up the middle players out of their position. No. And so uh, I'm looking for another guy that can do that. By the way, I did find the guy, if there's one guy that benefited most from the Astros cheating scandal, it's Marwin Gonzalez. The Cardinals had interest in him a couple years ago. He cannot hit since he lost the ability to know what was coming. Yeah. He's terrible. Yes. Although he can play every position pretty well. Yes. But I'm uh, I landed exactly where you landed. Jock Peterson can play every position. I think they need a, a left-handed hitter that can play center field, and he can do that twenty times during the course of a season. He can DH and then if you need to move somebody else around to play the outfield, you, you can do that. And you can move Edmund a couple of times during the course of the year. I'm not saying you can't do that. But I do think that for the Cardinals' purposes, Jock Peterson is the guy that can play multiple positions, all three outfield positions in DH, that I would take. Because I still want that left-handed bat because... I'd like the idea of Newt Barr. I like the idea of Gorman, but I'm not sure about them. I've seen Peterson hit right handed pitching at the major league level.
4: I would love, okay, my final guy, if they would spend on him, I'd love to see it is Kyle Schwarber. I, and I know a lot of fans would love to probably see him here too. Mm-hmm. Left handed, thump. Now, it's going to be a financial commitment and it's going to be multi year. More think than it's likely.
3: 28 over four, $7 million a year for him?
4: I was uh, yeah I was in that eight million to ten million okay. range. Okay. I actually thought it might be more than that. Now the problem that I would first of all let me give you the good part is that you're getting Kyle Schwarber mm-hmm. to put in the middle of Arenado, Goldie, and some of these other guys. So and he's left-handed, like that. Uh, he can play the outfield. That's fine too if he needed and and probably could play a little first base if if you had to you know stick him somewhere. He played a little first base when he went to, to the Red Sox. But here's the thing. I'm looking at the immediate. Would he help me on day one? Yes. But I've got Nolan Gorman coming. I've got Jordan Walker coming. So I've got position players coming. Either I have to move people or get creative. And where does he fit in the long term of the four or three years that I have to give him? Immediately, yeah, he's going to pay some dividends. It probably pays dividends over the course of the whole contract because he's going to hit. But I'm not going to sacrifice, at least in my opinion, young players that are cost-controlled that really could uh, put up big numbers for me and be, you know, I, for lack of a better term, a two way player, play defense, mm-hmm. offense. And sacrifice playing time early on for their betterment of their careers. I just don't want to do that. So, to
3: encapsulate everything, my three guys are Zach Davies, Joe Kelly, and Jock Peterson. And Dan is picking actually a couple of left handed hitters, right? Yeah, I went Jock Peterson, Kyle Schwarber, Michael Pineda as a pitcher. There you go. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the air comfort service. Text line 65780, a quick take it or leave it on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers On 101 ESPN Take it or leave it Give us your feedback now by texting 65780 It's take it or leave it With Character and Smallman On 101 ESPN Powered by Gloria Lou Realty Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com And start packing
3: All right, time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Dan, you've seen it. Adele having a relationship with Rich Paul, the agent for LeBron James and many other NBA players. Great relationship. Sweet. They're going to basketball games together. Yeah. Apparently the relationship, though, is on the rocks to the point where Adele has canceled her residency in Las Vegas and she won't leave Rich Paul's Beverly Hills mansion until she's convinced that the relationship has been repaired. She's Dan, she's been uh, crying through rehearsals. Take it or leave it.
4: Rich Paul better do something very serious very quick. Absolutely. I'm going to take that. You don't let uh, love go away like that, Randy, and just throw it away, especially when you have a Las Vegas residence Mm -hmm. and have a chance to make a bundle of money. You don't let... Uh, love coming no. to, uh, between that no and, sir. And it's
3: not like no. No, she has or he has given up He's still calling her and of course when You're she answers me. she says hello
4: It's so bad, thanks <laughs> So bad you be you been thinking about that for hours Oh, for seconds at he least set
2: that up He set that up so well. <laughs> that was terrible I mean, three, three, why do you <laughs> read into this three sentences to set up one pun? I mean <laughs> Again, that's that is that is dedication to a terrible joke. You have but to Matt, respect
4: that. Here's the deal, okay? You're a good kid, good guy, and you're doing a hell of a job. Don't, don't do this. You're falling into the trap. Don't. All right, take it or leave it. I'm gonna throw this Can one I throw out. One other one at yeah, you. Yeah, go right ahead.
3: Uh, I'm looking at a picture of Adele right now. Very attractive young lady. Uh, take it or leave it, though. Brown leather pants are good. Black leather pants. Different than brown leather pants. Take it or leave it on the brown leather pants. Oh, I'd take it. Okay. She looks good in them. She does. Yeah, just,
4: uh, I'll just leave it there. I'm not going to wear brown leather pants, but I'm just wondering what you I doing. think you'd look great. Thanks. Need to go with the uh, the the one kind of chaps. That's what you need. <laughs> There's something less chaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, take it or leave it. I'm going to give you three guys, okay, that I kind of thought of for this position of Michigan head coach. Okay. Take it or leave it. Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell, Bill O'Brien, the next Michigan head coach. I, Dan, am going to leave that. Really? Who are you going with then? I don't
3: think that Fickle, an Ohio an Ohio State guy will it's, do it. It's been done before. Look at Bo. Look at, you know. That's it, true. It's happened. I think the guy is Matt Rule, who apparently wants the job and would be more than willing to leave the Carolina Panthers
4: to take the job at Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. I think Bill O'Brien would be interesting because the resume is there and certainly what he did at Penn State, you know, taking over what was just an awful situation. Um, Luke Fickle is – that's an interesting one. I mean, again, yeah, you're right. You have an Ohio State guy, but look at what he just did with Cincinnati. Right. I mean, got them to the Final Four and and played competitive in that game. Mm -hmm. But you give him those resources – yeah. I, Ohio State guy, I I don't know. I, it'd be really interesting, and, and Matt Campbell's pretty interesting because yeah. he was coaching what forty miles down the road yeah. or whatever. I can't believe Matt Campbell's still at Iowa State. I, I yeah, I, you know, but his background, he's been in that state, he knows the area, he could do it. Yep. All right, your Tech six five seven eight zero Matt Rocky what do you got for us?
3: Take it or leave it. Randy is a comedy genius.
4: Uh, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna leave that. Although damn. I'm gonna, it comes with a caveat. I do enjoy the comedy. So I just don't want to give him any credit. <laughs> so it's a backhanded compliment. All right, thanks, Dan. No problem. He is funny. He's quick, and it, you got to hear the things off the air. It's really quick, but Tim- not suitable for on the air.
2: <laughs> this is—I hate these ones, but I'm going to do it anyway. Take it or leave it. Joe Burrow's LSU team could beat the
4: 2021 Texans. Leave it. Yeah, the, that Texans team played hard. They were pretty good. Now it's not to say that LSU wasn't full of uh, NFLers. Would they have 22 of them? Yeah, I think 22 or 21 they were guys. Mode. I mean. And had burrow Jerome. burrow
3: lair justin jefferson your offensive line wasn't great but you've got i think three nfl starters up from the offensive That's line pretty good uh jamar chase you've got to uh, patrick queen at linebacker you have a couple of
4: defensive ends really an unbelievable college football team. isn't it incredible that you know coach o can win a national championship and be gone two years later it's yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, and this the reason sport. that he can Holy coach is because smokes. he's
3: one of the great recruiters in the history of football. He's a guy that got Michael Lord, a good old Miss. I mean, he's he's one of the great recruiters ever. Wow. And uh, all of a sudden, he loses 22 players, and they say, well, now we want you to start coaching guys up.
4: That doesn't yeah. work that way. And, uh, you know, you, you think about certain universities, they'd take a national championship, and they'd re- erect a, a statue of the guy, Absolutely, and never lose a yep. job.
2: Was a direct that was a that was a Mizzou, Mizzou shot. Uh, take it, or, <laughs> take it or leave it. The Lombardi Trophy and Stanley Cup are sitting on Cronky's mantle this year.
4: Ooh, that could happen. I'm gonna leave mm-hmm. it though. I'm gonna leave it as well. I'll say, I don't
3: know though which one is gonna. Stan doesn't like the Stanley Cup. He claims that the last time he got sick was by drinking
4: out of the Stanley Cup in is 2001. That right? Yeah, really. Yeah. Which oh. one do you think he doesn't win? both? One. Also, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a rule. Stan Cronkie's not
2: allowed to own the Colorado Avalanche. That's Josh Kroenke's Correct. team and the wife. So, I mean, oh. I don't know what this is even getting at here. That's not allowed, guys. Okay. He would nice. never break That's that right. rule. The, the NFL would never look
3: the other way. What? Let's, let's take a look at technicalities here. <laughs> Just go to ColoradoAvalanche.com <laughs> <laughs> technicalities. You're, wait, you're
2: telling me the NFL NFL's breaking its own rule? So Josh
4: was is the... Hold on you know, a second now, Randy. So hold Josh on a moment. So Josh is the uh, chairman of the board, is what you're telling me. I think actually uh, Ann is... Oh, okay. I think technically it was the,
2: the, the, the wife was the allegedly who they never moved did the team it. over they, they just, never fished yeah it was it's it was 100 I mean it was is the NFL actually going to punish Dan Kroenke? And the answer obviously was was always going to be no.
3: Right. Uh let's see KSE executive team and as we get that little circle East Stanley Kroenke, owner. Oh wow, what a shocking development there. So
4: which one does he win? Which one does he lose or does he lose both? I hope he loses both, but
3: I, I think the odds of the Avalanche getting through four rounds are less than I the agree. Rams winning one game. Yeah, I'm with you on one that.
2: One more game left to play, and uh, take it or leave it. Comedy genius, no. Rap God, yes. On Randy, no. Oh, I'm I've gonna been leave
4: known that. To Pull that off before. I mean, I've seen him at the club. You know, we've gone out a few times, Randy. Mm-hmm. We had the the bottle service. When I get up was, on stage, yeah, after a few bottles, right? You had the bottle service, oh. and, and you know, we had the roped off area, and we, you know we're sitting there with our guys and uh you know randy's like you know i'm just gonna what would you say to rap i'm gonna i'm gonna kick some lyrics maybe it's Uh, some rhymes yeah some rhymes rhymes. yeah and randy went up and he had you know he had the sweatpants on one time he went up there and he was just showing off the tattoo he went up without the shirt Mm -hmm. on and just grabbed the mic and it was it was crazy i don't even remember that dan i know i heard rammer
2: used to rock hammer pants i mean randy's rock hammer pants in the 90s
3: well, that was like nine days ago. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Matt. Thanks, Randy. And thanks for your text. We do appreciate him coming up next on 101 ESPN. A lot of excitement about Joe Burrow. But is this the most around a uh, second-year quarterback in the last decade? That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's character and Smallman's Fresh Tate.
6: Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You. A free wellness program available in the app today.
8: Snowpocalypse 2022. The
3: National Weather Service maintaining a winter storm warning that remains in effect, Dan, through tomorrow at noon. Eight to 11 inches is what we're going to get. That's what she said. Sleet accumulations around one half of an inch and ice accumulations around a light glaze. Winds gusting as high as 35 miles an hour. No golf
4: today. You know we're gonna have Bernie Federico coming up uh, <laughs> later in the show. Hey, you know what today is? I can't believe what you guys haven't. Oh, it's Groundhog Day. And Puxatani Phil. What do he do? So there will be six more weeks of winter. Oh. He emerged man. from his burrow. He performed his groundhog duties, and uh, day duties, and they were at Gobbler's Knob. I don't know if mm-hmm. Bill Murray was there or not, but. Uh, They summoned him from his tree stump at dawn to learn if he had seen his shadow. After Phil's prediction was announced, the crowd repeatedly chanted six more weeks. So, according to folklore, excuse me, um, we will have uh, six more weeks of winter. So, if he didn't see his shadow, then we're, you know, spring's around the corner. Top five all time movies that when you land on it while
3: watching TV, you stay. Groundhog Day. Groundhog
4: Day is in my top five. Yeah, it's one of those
3: that you just can't stop watching.
2: I, I love that movie so much. I saw it for the first time when I was like 10, yep. and then I watched it
4: like once a week. Everybody like, watched uh, it. Yeah, year. you just keep watching it's it. It's so good.
3: Yep. St. Louis and Sandy Mashmeyer. Went to high school with her in there. She's uh, Bill oh, Murray's y- date at the movie, yeah.
4: Oh, is she really? Yeah, Parkway North Gret.
3: Was she in a, uh, any other movies? No, she was a uh, model for okay. Bud Light and Sears. Uh, Gary Fensick. Her name is Sandy Fensick now. She's Gary Fensick's wife. Okay. Long time. Uh let's see. Godfather I, d- I never leave. Yeah. No, you can't. No. Uh, from the 314, are you guys in the studio? What time did you get there? And Dan got here it was kind of game time is on time. We both had to clean off of our uh, vehicles because yeah. they were iced. We we were actually iced out of our vehicles. It took
4: some time to open the doors. Cuz we're so, good guys and we let our yeah. family members uh, put uh, if you have a garage, we let our family members put their cars in the, cars in the garage. garage. Yeah. We uh we our car is not in the garage, so
3: I live exceptionally close. I was here about six ten, and uh, yeah, we're, we, we had the show prepared last night. We were right. ready to rock and roll. Uh, Dan, I want you well, to hold hear on. this. I, I
4: didn't explain mine. Oh, go ahead. So I was up by five, uh, got out there, and it took me. Why well, then? I got a coffee, and I kind of hung around, and I took the dogs out. So I was like, ah, I got time. And I didn't realize there was so much ice on my windshield and everything else. So that took me about 35 minutes to get it heated up, scraped off to be safe. So, yeah, game time was on time. And then it just took a a little bit on the roads. But they were starting to clear them when I was getting out. So be safe. Absolutely.
3: Before last week's AFC Championship game, Steve Spagnuolo, former Rams coach, defensive coordinator of the 49ers, talked about Bengals second-year quarterback Joe Burrow.
5: Well, so I agree with you on that. I told you guys last time what I saw of him, um, Brady-like, and I certainly feel the same way coming out of that game. You know, I know the numbers of sacks, are, but I'll tell you what, when you watch some of those, I think that some of them are really smart, intelligent sacks, if there is such a thing. Uh, I think he's smart enough to know that you don't want to make a mistake. He's not turning the ball over. The other thing he's really, really good at, uh, at that moment where he thinks he might get sacked, he protects the football. He's got two hands on that football all the time. And he's slick enough and athletic enough to make a guy miss like he did to us twice in that game. When we had a couple of pressures off the edge and we got to find ways if we get in those situations again to finish him off. But uh, all of our guys, myself included, have a great deal of respect for this quarterback.
3: Dan, when you look at the last decade and the second year quarterbacks, here's a guy that was the Heisman Trophy winner, national championship quarterback first pick in the draft Burrow Justin Herbert who has more touchdown passes than anybody in their first two years ever Patrick Mahomes who was great in his second year and led his franchise to the AFC championship game Lamar Jackson who was the MVP in his second year as a starter and had gone 13 and 2 and then Andrew Luck who was 22 and 10 in his first two years with 8100 yards is there more hype around Burrow than there has been around any of these other guys Mm, I'd say Mahomes has got more hype around any of them. Still, even after the first two years, though, yes. because he sat for his first year, right? Second year, he got to the AFC Championship game, and yeah, he had a magnificent second year because, when he threw for five thousand yards.
4: And I'm going to not even talk about the passing. To me, it was more about his scramble ability and to make plays, and he avoided hits. I mean, that's the one thing that Burrow does not. You know, Burrow gets hit, and Mahomes. I'm not saying he doesn't take his fair share of hits but Mahomes was so exciting and I think the other thing about Mahomes that he did was he's throwing sidearm he's throwing across the field Mm -hmm. and Burrow's done a little bit of that too but the manner in which the flash the pizzazz that Mahomes has done it with that's why I'd say that he's probably gotten more of uh, the, the spotlight on him now if Joe Burrow goes out and wins a Super Bowl this year, then that changes. Right? Yes, that changes. And I think we uh, had
3: have a tendency to underestimate what we thought after Lamar Jackson's second Agreed. year because he would started in midseason and then it wasn't just thirty six touchdowns and six interceptions and thirty or seven point eight yards per attempt, but he had twelve hundred yards rushing too. And remember, coming into that third season for Lamar.
4: The hype was off the charts. I, I also feel, though, we have not seen enough of Josh Allen, and we have not seen enough of Justin Herbert. Now, yeah. Allen is starting to get some of that uh, notoriety, and I think the the game in Kansas City certainly does that. The fact that he's part of the Bills Mafia and it's a fun team to watch, that's going to change. But the guy that doesn't get any notoriety, and he might be, before it's all said and done, he may wind up being the best of all of them. Who knows? Who knows? Is Justin Herbert. He's got an absolute cannon. He had a 65 yard touchdown pass on a fly in that game that he avoided a sack and then just settled and let it fly. I mean, this guy is really good, but no one really talks about him with this group of some of these players that we're talking about. And he has the record for most yards in his yes. first two seasons, 9,350. Most touchdown passes
3: by a Charger quarterback in a single season. Plus, in his first two years, Justin Herbert has
4: thrown 69 touchdown passes with 25 interceptions. Now, you're a guy that understands the NFL and the history so well. So back in 1983, you had John Elway, Todd Blackledge, Jim Kelly... Tony Eason, Ken O'Brien, Dan Marino. Mm -hmm. So you you had six first-round guys uh, at QB. And three Hall of Famers, right? And three Hall of Famers. So do you think that this is the group that is kind of that next wave that even compares to what we just saw in 1983? Now, the hype wasn't around. I mean, the hype was big, but you didn't have the Internet. You didn't have Twitter. You didn't have all those things that make it so big that it is now. You know what I mean? Trying to compare the eras, I I understand is tough, but – Man, that's a pretty darn good group of if, players, right there. If you right look there.
3: at a singular class, depending on what happens with Tua, the Burrow Herbert Tua class, pretty good, could be right there. And there might have been a fourth in that uh, in that draft in the 2021 NFL draft, a fourth quarterback taken.
4: Uh, trying to think who the other. What about uh, uh, the kid from uh, New England? No, he was was this year. Yeah, that's right.
3: Uh, So let's see. We had... uh, Oh, Justin Fields. There you go. Yeah, goes to Chicago. Yeah. Oh, no, I I got that one wrong. That was this year, too. I, I had the wrong draft. It was a 20 NFL draft that I'm... Thinking of. But think about that:
4: Elway, Blackledge, Kelly, O'Brien, Tony Eason, Dan Marino. That's phenomenal. In '83, yeah. And I just I wonder if this group, when it's all said and done, will rival that. We talk about it a lot. It's hard to find a draft class with that many guys at a particular position, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Jordan Love was the other one, by there the
2: way. And Jalen Hurts in the second round in that, in that oh, draft yeah. as well, right? Yeah. So, and I think the big thing when you look at that 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 Herbert number, that the 69 touchdowns, you look at all the numbers we have here. We you know we, we look at Burrow, Mahomes, Jackson, lots. Wilson, they're the closest one is 17 touchdowns behind that 69 touchdown Crazy. mark from Justin Herbert. That's ridiculous. And also, but the, in the Joe Burrow numbers, this jumped out to me: 70% completion this year, while also having an 8.9 yards per attempt. Yeah. Those are those two numbers are higher than any other quarterback in this list in any of their first two seasons. And when you have that completion percentage and that yards per, per attempt, you're, that's telling me this isn't check down. You know, this isn't check down Sammy kind of stuff we're seeing from Joe Burrow. He's putting up. while getting the ball downfield while getting hit it's it's incredible what Joe Burrow does and I think your point he might not be getting the you know pub that Mahomes or Jackson does but there's no doubt you look at the numbers he absolutely and and what he did he he 100% deserves it if not more
4: but think how Mahomes and Jackson play though as opposed to Burrow you know again the flash the excitement right. the the pizzazz and i think that gets a lot of the attention as well
3: that's today's fresh take on 101 espn coming up we're going to talk to our friend hall of famer bernie federco on 101 espn
1: we're right back to the character and smallman podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues Booth. Brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home. With locations in Crestwood, Manchester, Overland, and St. Peter's. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com.
3: Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carriker, and we go to the Brown and Group of the Celebrity Line. Hall of Famer Bernie Federico, analyst for Bally Sports, joins us as he does every Wednesday morning. Good morning,
0: Bernie. How are you? Good morning, Randy. I'm doing fine.
3: How do you handle this weather, being from Canada as you are?
0: Well, you know what? Sitting in the house right now, I can handle it very well. (laughs) 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 I don't know. That's a really good question because I don't know... if I needed to go somewhere today, I, I don't know how I would handle it. I hope the uh, roads are good, but uh, you know what? It kind of, it's pretty to look at right now, but I, it's probably not good to drive it.
4: Hey, Bernie! Congratulations to you and uh, Berna on uh, a new addition to the Federico family. Uh, not you two guys, at least uh, you hope <laughs> yeah, not. You're right, Dan. Yeah, I, I, that's a bold <laughs> statement. Uh, but you're, you're now a grandpa. So, what's it like being a grandfather? And congratulations!
0: Thanks, Danny. It's it's been really really special. I mean, uh, she's a doll. We've been able to, you know, go and spend some time with uh, with her, and um, it, it's just uh, you know everybody's told me so much about being a grandparent about how special it is, and I guess you really don't know how special it is until you have a little grand baby. And uh, no, it's it's been it's been a really a, a nice little go. and um, <laughs> it's really uh, kind of a you know it's it's a it's a funny thing because you know life is so crazy how you. You know, you have your own kids, and and you you don't even realize that, that is this possible that they're, they're going to have kids at some point in time. So it's a it's a pretty special time. And
4: <laughs> and here's the thing too: you had three boys, and now here's a girl. And you grew up with boys in your household with your brothers. So you better get used to those uh, those little ladies, Bernie. <laughs> they get a soft spot in your heart. I'm just telling you.
0: They do already. She does already. She's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of so much different. I mean, you know, it's, it's a baby right now. So it's, it's really hard to tell the difference, but I mean, she's so dainty uh, compared to what we kind of remember as, as, as the boys, you know, being a little ones, but I mean, it's only a couple of weeks now and, uh, it is. She's really special, and uh, it's it's uh, just to be able to hold her and just to look at her. It's kind of it's kind of like looking when you look at a baby. It's kind of looking at the fire. You I mean, you could just kind of stare at it all day. It's it, uh, just kind of uh, it's just a special feeling. That's, That's awesome!
3: Awesome! Great! Congratulations on that, Bernie. You. If you had to make a judgment for us as to whether or not this break, eleven day break for the Blues, is good or not good, what would you say?
0: I would say it's good. I mean, I think it's good for everybody. I mean, uh, this is the time of year that makes it very, very difficult. I mean, you're, you're playing once you start playing in September. I think that, you know, you, you almost get brain dead by the time uh, February comes around. And I think it's nice to just kind of be able for everybody to be able to step away for a little bit, other than the guys that are going to the All-Star game. Uh, just to step away and, um, you know, get a, um, you know, your body is kind of, kind of starting to take its toll right now, but I think it's more a mental thing and to be able to get away. I mean, the guys get away whether They're going to go out and play golf or, um, you know, go out and just kind of just relax for a little bit. I think this is really kind of a really good thing for, for, for the entire body and mind. So um, with that being said, it's going to be tough though, once they come back because it shortens everything. Although there was going to be Olympic break anyway, uh, so the guys are going to have some time off. But, uh, I mean, I was talking to a couple of the guys, and this is something that really doesn't ever happen. So I think the guys really need to take advantage of that uh, because once uh, they hit the the ground after this is over, I mean, they're going to play almost every second day for the rest of the uh, regular season. And then if you go into playoffs, you're playing every second uh, day. So it's going to be grueling. So I, I think that everybody needs to just you know, heal their mind and their bodies, whatever they've got right now, and, and get ready for the long run.
4: Hey, Bernie, with uh, what the Blues dealt with there in that first half with the the COVID issues with the, so many of the players and then just the the basic grind of, of having injuries that pop up, uh, what are your impressions of the Blues and how they, I, I thought it was really impressive, but how they, they made it through that first half?
0: Yeah, it's been good. I mean, there's no question that, uh, you know, that we're still, I think for every team, Dan, in the league right now, I think everybody's still looking to find their identity because, I mean, they've they've had so many. I think every team has had uh, the same problems, whether it be injuries or whether it's you know COVID protocol. Uh, Everybody really has not had their full roster for really the first half of the year. So now we're going into the second half. I think the teams are going to develop their their own identity. And I, I think the Blues' identity is very, very good right now. I mean, obviously, we keep talking about the depth that they have Especially at the forward position, uh, they can score goals. Uh, there's no question about that. All, all you know, all twelve forwards are very capable of, of pitching in you know, offensively. And I think that they, you know the goaltending has really shored up. I mean, huso has been really good. I think Bennington's still uh, you know trying to find his A game, and, I, I, and there's no question in my mind that he will. And I think it's just a matter of the Blues getting the style of play that they want to play. I mean, are they going to be a grinding team uh, like they were? three years ago when they won the Cup, or is this a different team that has to change a little bit? I mean, defense is different. They're not as big as they were in 2019, so maybe they have to play a little different style. But uh, I think that uh, it's been very impressive uh, where they sit right now. I mean, it's a tough division. I mean, Colorado keeps winning. I mean, they finally, well, at least lost a point last night at home for the first time in a long time. I mean, Nashville won again last night. Minnesota's right there. So, uh, you know, there's four or five teams in in the Central that are really good. And uh, the Blues are going to have to battle all the way through. But, but I like the way the team plays, and I like, I like the attitude that they have. And, and certainly, you know, when you get cheap behind the bench, you know that you're going to get driven each and every day. So uh, I think this is a really good situation. And, and there's no question that I think that they're a contender uh, when it all said and done.
3: Bernie, last thing from me, we talk all day. Every show talks about the Blues going out and getting a big, rugged defenseman. Do you think that's a necessity?
0: I'd like to see it, Randy. I don't know if it's a necessity, but I certainly—if there is a, a weakness, if you want to call it weakness, or if there is an Achilles' heel, uh, it might be the size of the defense. I mean, um, you've got some smaller guys out there. I think when you look at the Blues' defense that won the Cup in 2019, it was it was it was big, um, and it was rugged. So uh, to find a, an extra guy like that would probably be really really helping. But uh, with that being said, that's up to Doug Armstrong and. You know, is there somebody available and are the Blues willing to give up something to get something? I mean, that's always a, a factor. And then does it play into the salary cap? So there's so many things now that, that are involved business-wise that uh, uh, needs to be, you know, that, that needs to be done from from the top. But but certainly, I mean, I think the way we look at uh, what Army has done over the course of his, his tenure here in St. Louis, I mean, um, if there's somebody available and he thinks is going to help the team, I, I think that uh, Doug would always – Go out and, and try to make this team better.
4: Okay, Bernie, I got to ask you this. All right, so you grew up in Canada. You're no stranger to this kind of weather. So you and Ronnie and Donnie, you, you guys are all going out. Your brothers um, were were you were you guys pond hockey guys or did you go to the local rink? You know, how did you deal with the uh, the winter months up in Canada and trying to play some hockey?
0: No, you know, with this kind of weather, we try to go to the local rink. Uh, that would be the thing to do. But, I mean, Dad also did. I mean, we uh, flooded the garden, too. Dad always had the garden flooded. So we actually had a little uh, ice skating place in the back. So we'd go out there and skate and shoot. It wasn't very big, but we still got around it. And then, you know, by the time you got through about this time, there's probably four or five feet of snow that had already been falling. So, it's, you know, we had our own set of boards all the way around the rink. Because was I love all it. snow. So yeah, it was it was it was easy, and you know what? It was cold, but hey, it was it, it, you didn't know any better, so uh, you bundled up, you went out there, and did the same thing. But it was yeah, it, it, this. When I see stuff like this, it really reminds me of, of home during the winter, and it, uh, it brings a lot of uh, childhood memories. That's for sure.
3: I bet it does, Bernie Federico. Always great to hear your voice. Congratulations again on the grand baby, and enjoy a well-deserved vacation. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.
0: Thanks, Randy. Thanks, Dan. You guys have a great day, and you know, be, be careful in the snow.
3: We will. Thank see you, you Bernard. <laughs> Bernie, you see you, Bernie Federico, the Hall of Famer on 101 ESPN. Come
4: coming up, we will get. We got the fight. Uh, yeah, we got the fight coming up. Yeah, you're you uh, you lost yesterday. A loser. Well, I'd say this: the fight was uh, a little. Yeah, Matt, it was a little tough. I, I yesterday was tough. But the challenger did go four or four.
2: I'm living and learning. Yeah, when he, when you can guess on with the numbered ones, uh, I got options. I got yeah. When he has options yeah. and Randy's got to pull a number completely out of the uh, out of thin air. Yeah, um, yeah. That that's a little yeah. That's yeah. a little tough. I got to work
3: on that. Yeah, okay. I had
2: no no numbers in this fight. Hey, but he okay. got four.
3: So credit where credit is due. That's right. right. That's right.
1: Absolutely. That's so right. the
3: fight is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: let's go and say good morning to brad brad hopefully you are staying safe on the roads today how you doing i'm doing well thank you hey congratulations on the win yesterday you went four of four that was impressive and let's go for round two you ready to roll let's roll it all right tom brady's time at michigan he played with or backed up and started over two other future nfl qbs drew henson and which other qb so in Tom Brady's time at Michigan, he played with, backed up, and started over two other future NFL QBs, Drew Henson and is it Joe Germain, Brian Greasy.
0: Brian or, Greasy.
4: Okay. <laughs> All right. What Dodgers pitcher did Ozzie
2: Smith homer off of in the ninth inning of Game 5 in the NLCS, leading to Jack Buck's iconic, and that's a home run before the Wizard radio call? Was it Steve Howe, Ken Howell, or Tom Neidenfuhrer?
7: Steve Howell.
4: Who was the last pitcher to lead both, league, uh, both leagues in wins, strikeouts, and ERA in a full season? Johan Santana, Justin Verlander, or Clayton Kershaw? The last pitcher to lead both leagues in wins, strikeouts, and ERA in a full season? Santana, Verlander, mm-hmm. or Kershaw?
7: Let's go with yeah, I mean, Verlander or Kershaw. Um, Kershaw.
2: All right, and number four, this player became the first U.S.-born number one overall pick in NHL history when the Minnesota North Stars selected him with the top pick in the 1983 draft. Was it Bob Carpenter, Mike Madonna, or Brian Lawton?
5: Mike Madonna.
4: All right. Uh, We have uh, Randy coming in the studio. We have gone over your answers, and Randall is feverishly running into the studio to say once again to his challenger the winner yesterday and that's a good morning to brad
3: brad good morning how's everything going this morning all right randy how you doing today i'm doing great thanks for listening thanks for playing are you staying home or are you at work today they actually canceled our work today good for you i'm nice. glad to hear it. apparently they canceled ours except for us yeah i don't is see anybody, any anybody around here on the hall or are, are now? bk is already
4: here he's a gamer yeah right. bk ain't gonna miss any time no. uh uh-uh. All right, Randall, you All ready? I'm ready, sir. All right. In Tom Brady, uh, Tom Brady. You know what? I've been a little tongue tied at times. <laughs> uh-huh. There's a guy named Tom Brady. I don't know if you've heard of him. Four, heard four. Of them, yeah. You okay. In Tom Brady's time at Michigan, he played with, backed up, and started over two other future NFL QBs, Drew Henson and. I believe
3: that in the 2002 Rams season opener they lost at Denver to a very young Brian Greasy and I believe if I'm not mistaken Henson who wound up playing for the Yankees and Brian Greasy who wound up playing for a lot of NFL teams including the Broncos were the two quarterbacks that played for the Wolverines at the same time Tom Brady was there. I'll go with Brian Greasy. Thank you, Randall. Question two, please.
2: When Dodgers pitcher... when Do- What Dodgers pitcher did Ozzie Smith homer off of in the ninth inning of the Game 5 of the NLCS, leading to Jack Buck's iconic, and that's a home run for the Wizard co- radio
3: call? Well, which Dodgers pitcher? I-, I would say part of the iconic aspect of the call... We only hear 15 seconds. But part of the iconic aspect of the call, if you hear the call, hear whole call, is... Niedenfuehr, a big man from the North Country. He's from Minnesota. Uh, So it was Tom Niedenfuehr, who, by the way, a couple days later, allowed another home run, if I'm not mistaken.
4: It's a home run by Clark, and they may go to the World Series on that one, folks.
3: Adios, goodbye, maybe that's a winner.
4: I did the end. You did the beginning. Yeah. I like it. (laughs) That was good. All right. Go right ahead, please. Oh, (laughs) wait a minute. It's me. Yeah. Who is the last pitcher to lead both leagues in wins, strikeouts, and ERA in a full season? The last pitcher to lead both leagues in wins, strikeouts, and ERA in a full season. I'm going to roll the dice on this one.
3: Because I know he did it. And I'm going to, I I can't remember. This is the entire major leagues? Yes. Okay. I, I know Johan Santana did it in, a, in his career. So I think I'm going to go with, uh, I, and I am I guess somebody probably has done it since, but I'll go with Johan Santana. And number four, this, this
2: player way. became yeah. the first U.S.-born number one overall pick in NHL history when
3: the Minnesota North Stars selected him with the top pick in the 1983 draft. A lot of people think that the North Stars should have taken friend of the station, NHL Network's Brian Lawton, who went second in that draft think, right? Minnesota. No, it was a different draft. 1983. American. Mike Modano.
4: I of who I'm gonna go with. I believe we have a winner. Hit the bell please.
1: A winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker.
6: Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997.
1: Just
4: win, baby. Randy got three out of four, and Brad got one out of four. So in Tom Brady's time in Michigan, he played with, backed up, and started over two other future NFL QBs, Drew Henson and Brian Greasy. Both guys got it right.
2: Uh, what Dodgers pitcher did Ozzie Smith-Homer off of the ninth inning The to Jack Buck's iconic radio call? It was Tom Needenfure, as Randy Carrick correctly
3: said. So when he wound up in Baltimore, I was at a game, a Rangers game in Texas one time, and the Orioles brought him in. Small crowd at their old ballpark that looked like it was built with an erector sec- set. And uh, the four people that were at the game, uh, we when he was coming in from the bullpen we were chanting Ah Z, Ah Z, Ah Z. He looked
4: over at us with kind of a skull. I and bet he did. Wound up with the Cardinals and wound up
3: being a hell of a guy.
4: Yeah. Uh, last pitcher to lead both leagues in wins, strikeouts, and ERA in the full season. Randy you got it right. Johan Santana wow. the last to do it. Two thousand six. Shane Bieber
2: did it, but obviously that was a shortened twenty twenty season, just mm. sixty three
4: games. I would have gone with Verlander. I was thinking Verlander was the guy.
2: Him and Kershaw both led. The, both won the Triple Crown in twenty eleven.
3: Yeah. Respectively so, for their leagues. Okay. So and that's. I just didn't remember those guys doing it. I
4: remember, remember Santana yeah. doing it. Yeah.
2: And
3: number four, this player became the first U.S.-born number
2: one overall pick in NHL history when the Minnesota North Stars selected him with the top pick in the 1983 draft. It
4: is
7: Brian, Brian
2: Lawton. Mike Madonna was the first overall pick for the North Stars in the 88 draft.
4: Okay. good. Yeah, so Brian Lawton. So
2: Randy Carricker wins it with 3-2-1.
4: Hey, Brad, uh, enjoy the snow day. Take it in and be safe, and thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Good hey, job.
7: Thanks for what you guys do. I appreciate it. You got
4: Thank it. Thank you. Great That's uh, you. Brad, our challenger today on the fight,
3: Randall. And coming up next as we roll on, we are going to talk college football. The transfer portal is absolutely bananas. David Ubin of The Athletic joins us to tell who's doing well and who's not in the SEC next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: Danny Mack, Randy Carriker. It is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle out for a couple of weeks. Uh, she's attending a wedding and some other things so she is now with us we're going to talk some college football in this 9 o'clock hour coming up we're going to talk to David Ubben of The Athletic in just a moment and then at 9.45 Dan we're going to talk to Eli Drinkwitz the head coach at the University of Missouri today of course is the second national letter of intent I don't know why they need to have two but they do and so we'll talk to Drink coming up at 9.45 but right now we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and David Ubben. A Mizzou grad, who does a great job of covering college football for The Athletic, joins Danny Mack and Randy Carricker. David, thanks so much for the time this morning. How are you doing? I'm
6: doing good. Thanks for having me on.
3: Hey, could you have ever imagined even your career? When did you start your career? You're a recent graduate of Mizzou, right?
6: Uh I think recent is probably uh, generous, but (laughs) I guess I started covering uh, high school and junior high sports back when I was in high school in like 2003. Okay, so even then. It's been a while. We're we're
3: 19 (laughs) years, though. But could you, even five years, could you have ever imagined what we have with the transfer portal right now?
6: No, I mean, it's all happened so fast. I mean, I I think even three years ago, I don't think I would have um, expected this kind of movement. It's pretty crazy. Um, you know, things have changed in a hurry. And, and I think even when the transfer portal, you know, sort of arrived and you came and you brought free transfers with that, I figured it's for frequency would go up, but but not to the level that it has now. I I, I think even the, the uh, you know, most uh, revolutionary among us probably didn't see things going quite like this.
4: Do you think there's going to be a situation in the next, let's say, 12, 24 months where this gets so... Out of hand, and it's it's essentially free agency in college sports. That there's going to be some type of limitations of what you can do in the transfer portal, uh, name, image, and likeness. All those things that go into why these kids are transferring.
6: Well, the NCAA, you know, right now it seems like their chief goal is to not get sued, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know the the Supreme Court ruling in the in the Alston case you know it was pretty clear and, and I think you're not going to see them restrict any players from doing anything. So, you know, if you want to fix this and you want to change things, uh, I think there's definitely some people who don't believe it needs to be fixed. Um but if you want to make changes, you know, uh, those are probably not going to come from the NCAA and they're probably not going to restrict player movement. So, I'm not sure exactly what you do um if you want to see things changed. Uh you know, you t- I've talked to uh you know, a bunch of coaches about this. I didn't get a lot of
3: hmm. Didn't get a lot of. Yeah, we lost him. We lost him. We'll we get lost him. him. To, didn't get a lot of. But I want to ask him about USC because oh, yeah. the Trojans, and we're going to talk about the SEC as well, but the transfer of Lincoln Riley for big money to USC from Oklahoma has led to the transfer of many players from Oklahoma to USC. And depending on how quickly these Players can assimilate to Lincoln Riley system, which they've already played in. I believe USC is a prohibitive favorite right now to win the Pac-12 in 2022.
4: Win the Pac-12, yes. Uh, national championship, I say two to three years. Let him get some of his players in. Name, image, and likeness is is mm-hmm. going to change a lot with all these teams. I mean, look at what Texas A&M did. They, they went to their biggest boosters. They said, hey, let's put a pool of money together and you're going to p- pay for player X and you're going to get Y and you're going to get mm-hmm. Z and we're going to go get the best players. So the haves and the have-nots, this could create even greater yeah. separation and top-heavy in college sports. Right. And uh, we're going to get David Ubbin back
3: right now. And David, thank you very much uh, for, for your patience. I, I want to ask you about USC. You wrote about USC in your latest missive in The Athletic. And I said to Dan that I believe right now that Lincoln Riley and USC are a favorite in the to win the Pac-12 in 2022. What do you think of that? Is that accurate?
6: Uh, I mean, they're going to be able to score some points. I, I think the defense and uh, the, their play on the line is going to be tough. I mean, I think you look at the way uh, that, that Utah and, and Oregon, the shape of in. I'd probably lean that direction. But I wouldn't be shocked if it happened because, again, USC is going to be able to score some points. I mean, you add, obviously, Caleb Williams. Travis Dye. Uh, you know, you have quite a bit of uh, talent. Um, so, yeah, I, again, I, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I, I wouldn't call him the favorite. I'd probably lean Oregon on that front.
4: Name, image, and likeness. How is this changing? And it's just really come about. I mean, we're, we're just at the initial stages of this, but how is it changing college football right now?
6: I mean, it's changing everything. It's influencing decisions in transfers and recruiting. Uh, changing priorities, changing how universities sell themselves, tweaking their pitches. Uh, I mean, it's changed everything. I mean, when, when you go from, you can't make money off of your name image like likeness so that you can, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much like going from, you know, being an unpaid intern to being a, you know, a paid position somewhere. Um, you know, it, it changes quite a bit. And so, uh, yeah, I think the, the better question is almost what isn't changing because of NIL because, you're seeing quite a bit, um, and, and that influence is something that that's, you know, the coaches who adjust are going to do better of college football. and the coaches who sort of sit around and, uh, and whine and, and kick dust and complain and pine for a, a, another day of college football and they had a little more control, are probably not going to do very well in this new era. So we'll see.
3: David Abbott of The Athletic with Dan and Randy on 101 ESPN. And, David, you wrote about uh, winners and losers in the SEC in regards to the transfer portal. And we knew when this all started that the rich were going to get richer and Alabama was going to do well. And you have them as one of the winners, along with Brian Kelly and LSU. And in the uh, spinning their wheels group, you have Mizzou. How do you think, and obviously Drink had a top 10 recruiting class, but how do you think Eli Drinkwitz is doing in regards to the transfer portal?
6: Uh, I mean, pretty good. I mean, the, the, the Hopper brothers is a nice uh, addition there. Jaden Jarnigan, obviously another uh, nice pickup. Uh, you know, Connor Bazelak, we'll see. I mean, uh, you, when you saw him as a freshman, you thought this could, be, this could be the guy at the zoo for years to come. A little banged up this year, regressed a little bit this year. We'll see what, what Brady Cook has to offer, you know, if he ends up winning that job. Um, you know, losing Macai Wingo is, is obviously uh, the biggest loss for them. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I think ultimately, you know, it's a little bit like recruiting in that it's hard to assess because you're not going to really know until the fall. And guys can look different in different kinds of situations, you know. Uh, you know, those guys, that the, the Hopper brothers, you know, in a new situation, maybe they blow up. Maybe Connor Bazelak isn't that good. Maybe Connor Bazelak is a world beater who, you know, was banged up last year. I think we'll see. Um, so it's hard to say right now. But like I said, I think he probably came out about even uh, when you look around the league.
3: And I give Brian Kelly credit because. He hired Robert Steeples, who was the former coach at DeSmet High here in St. Louis. Steeples coached Makai Wingo. And, David, the top two recruits out of St. Louis next year are both DeSmet kids. So, I think there was a method to Brian Kelly's madness in bringing a very good coach, admittedly, to their staff in Robert Steeples, but it'll help in recruiting, too.
6: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think, you know, especially at LSU, you know, their approach to trying to fix the roster has been really different, um, and they've done a lot of different kinds of things. And uh, But, but you know, uh, for the longest time, you know, when coaches would come in and, and you'd see them in their first year maybe get, you know, six to ten JUCOs, well, they'd call that, well, that's taking shortcuts. That's not going to work. And now, you know, you're seeing it with with um, uh, with Lincoln Riley. You're seeing it with Brian Kelly transfers are a little bit different. You know, the old adage is that if you're a Juco, you're at junior college for a reason, but transferring is not always quite that simple. Uh, you know, generally you're in the transfer portal for a reason, but not always. Um, and so uh, when you look at coaches rebuilding efforts, it, it can be a little bit easier and the road can be a little bit shorter, uh, in the, in the, in the transfer portal and, and Brian Kelly and, and, um, and Lincoln Riley are putting that to the test this year, and we'll see what that looks like on the field this fall.
4: By all accounts, Jim Harbaugh going to the Vikings. Uh, any thoughts on who might fill that position in Michigan?
6: I mean, if it's me, my first call is to Matt Rule. Uh, I think he's probably not real brokenhearted about the prospect of leaving Carolina. The walls are kind of closing in on him there. I think he'd kill it at Michigan. Matt Campbell will, will surely come up for that job, and we'll see what he does. But if it's me, uh, Matt Rule will be my first, uh, be my first call.
3: David great stuff we love your work in the athletic thanks so much for the time and hopefully we can reconnect in the future for sure
6: thanks guys Appreciate thank, it. thank, thank you, you so
4: much David Ubbin of the athletic on 101 ESPN I was just thinking of something here Randy uh you know what I would do if I'm if I'm a Michigan uh you know uh staffer and the athletic department I just float out this one just to have a little fun eh you know we're we, to a media prominent media member, eh? We're we're kicking the tires on Urban Meyer. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Not to say that we're going to hire him. I'm no, just saying we throw it out there. Let's just get the let's yeah.
3: get the fan base excited. Oh, well, and let's get the Ohio yes. sp- uh, Ohio State fan base going nuts. They would be going bananas. Could That'd you imagine that? Would that be fun? Could you imagine that? No, I couldn't imagine. Urban Meyer going to Michigan? There's a phrase, stranger things have happened. Yeah. I don't think a stranger thing has happened.
4: I, You know, you've been doing this a long time. I, I've been doing it a long time, not as long as you, but I've learned to not be surprised by a lot of things in sports anymore. Who would have thought Rick Pitino would wind up at Louisville after exactly. being
3: at Kentucky? But he's from New York. Urban Meyer grew up in Ohio. Right. <laughs>
4: He was an Ohio State guy. Yeah, you know? right. that's their guy. That would be really wild. I was just thinking about that. I was like, you know, who's a fun. big name? Sp- oh, yeah, yeah Urban yeah. would be kind of interesting. I wonder if uh, if came in Nebraska would enjoy Ann Arbor.
3: His we, uh, girlfriend.
4: I, I know who she is. Okay. And we uh, we did have Bernie was really good today. I thought he was great. We're going to talk to with later on in the show. Yeah, we'll get that uh, recruiting update. Yep. But coming up. Reaction. I think she'd
3: find it fine. <laughs> I think so, too. Reaction from around the NFL <laughs> on the Brian Flores lawsuit against the league, the Dolphins, the Broncos, and the Giants. A lot of people saying a lot of things. Next on
1: 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with character and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
3: Brian Flores files the lawsuit against the National Football League, against the Giants, the Broncos and the Dolphins. For their hiring practices, which have been abysmal, right now in the National Football League, seventy percent of the players are African American. There's one African American coach, and that's Mike Tomlin. So far in the hiring cycle, if Jim Harbaugh, as reported, is going to land as the Vikings head coach, nine vacancies Dan
4: so far this offseason, five of them filled by white men. Yeah, and you know the the major problems that are coming out of this, the Bill Belichick texts which is part of this suit which shows that he thought he was texting uh flores he was not he was texting a guy that already had the job in new york Mm -hmm. and flores was scheduled to interview and so essentially they were just trying to fill the rooting rule complete sham interview right so that was not right you had john elway and the denver broncos in a interview unprepared uh by all accounts, it was just trying to fill the... Root. I mean, if you read between the lines, hey, we're doing this interview with this guy. We have an African-American, so now we check that box. Not getting a fair shake there. You have the owner of the Dolphins, allegedly... Now, again, these are all allegations, mm-hmm. but allegedly asking to throw games and if you did get losses to move up in the draft, what was it, a hundred grand? Hundred thousand a game. Yeah. And then also the idea that you would be meeting with a current player that's under contract, which would be tampering in the NFL. And he did not want to do that or agree with that. And that's when that was the the, the starting point, really, of when the relationship between the Dolphins and Flores started to go the wrong way. So apparently he got fired because he had a moral conscience, Yeah, which is an issue.
3: Now, more than a half century ago, former Cardinal Kurt Flood filed suit against baseball and against their reserve clause, and he never played again. Brian Flores filed suit against the NFL because of their hiring practices. Adam Schefter, will he ever coach again? Great question. Interesting
5: to see the effects that this lawsuit has on the hiring process. And clearly, Brian Flores had to think of all the fallout that would come with filing a bombshell lawsuit like this against the National Football League. Now, the National Football League has wanted Brian Flores to be hired as a head coach, at least we thought so prior to this lawsuit. But after something like this, when he's suing the league and all the teams. In the lawsuit, clearly you would think, I'm not a legal expert, that that would jeopardize his chances at getting one of these jobs, but he had to know just what he was doing before he filed that lawsuit.
4: Uh, well, here's where I'm going now. Let's advance a story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he does he ever coach in the NFL again? That's <laughs> – it'd be tough. Right. I mean, he's taking a major stance against the league, and uh, obviously it's a stance that – uh, is a bombshell. So right. then and he's not in a union. This is like right. Angel Hernandez filing suit against MLB. What I don't understand is like Eric Bianchi. Like this guy is is done a by all accounts a tremendous job. And then when he doesn't get a head coaching job, you hear, well, he didn't he didn't uh, interview well. Really, what's that mean? I mean. Some guys interview well, some guys don't. But where's the proof in the pudding? I mean, he's putting up numbers. And again, he's got weapons, but he's done a great job. And he's an Andy Reid guy. Danny, you look at Doug Peterson. Andy Reid guy goes
3: on and wins the Super Bowl. Matt Nagy, they hate him in Chicago, but Andy Reid guy, coached four years, went to the playoffs in two of those with Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback in three of those. Uh, You've got Andy Reid guys in Baltimore. John Harbaugh, one of the best coaches in the league. You've got so many people that have succeeded, and Andy Reid advocates for Eric Bieniemy, and yet he has not had an interview in this hiring cycle. And the abysmal Houston Texans
4: have never, in two years of head coaching openings, interviewed Eric Bieniemy. Now, some of the tentacles of this, and I brought this up uh, in the seven o'clock hour when we first were talking about this, is that Stephen Ross is a billionaire, the owner of the uh, Miami Dolphins. And you tell me if I'm off base on this thing, Randy, if you think i'm I'm kind of crazy or looking too deep into this. and I, and I mean this. Maybe I'm looking too far into this. But he's invested in the sports gambling startup. It's the Action Network, uh, which is another move by the NFL. To capitalize on the growing trend of legal sports betting and i I think we'd all have to be naive not to think that sports betting in all sports is across the board it's it's getting legalized in most states there's different caveats and things that need to happen however it's coming Mm -hmm. so if you are asking if this is true that you're asking your coach to essentially throw games and that one of your owners is behind a sports gambling company Boy, that's a real problem. That's something problem.
3: Roger Goodell is going to have to answer to at some point. Now, Ryan Clark has seen what's happened in the NFL over the years, and he gets it. He's a smart guy. Ryan Clark, the former Steeler on ESPN, talked about why black coaches don't get hired.
7: So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say it's necessarily a plantation because people will push back against that because these players do get paid. What I will say is this. There is no separation in any of the four major sports between ownership and labor that's further apart than the NFL. I've sat at the table with these owners and listened to how they talk about labor. It is truly labor to them. We don't work with them. We work for them. We are commodities, commodities that can be replaced, commodities that can be sold, commodities that. can be traded and so when Brian Flores speaks of it in that nature it's absolutely true Uh, the other thing is it's a seat at the table is very difficult to get whether that's a seat at the executive table whether that's a seat at the table of ownership and right now we have nobody that looks like me in ownership
4: I would disagree on this front is that we have a lockout right now between Major League Baseball and owners so Mm -hmm. there's some contention there that right. ain't going well. That ain't going real well. No, so it's they're, not. They're, hold on, on on making that statement, but to the, the the point he's trying to make is that you're looking at a league that is not taking advantage of of qualified people to move from coordinator positions to higher positions to general manager positions, whether it's a head coach. And are these guys getting a fair shake? And I, I think that's what he's trying to say. And Dan, people from all walks of life
3: watch and enjoy and spend money on the National Football League. And Bomani Jones, who's a really thoughtful guy, he's on the Bob Costas show uh, every month, he talked about with Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio what the NFL is dealing with with a lawsuit like the one Brian Flores has, has filed.
7: The lawyers that he has, do that does imply a level of credibility to this and a reason that I think that the NFL might need to worry a little bit more because I'm not sure how much the image part of this actually matters. We've been having the same day at Rooney Rule discussion for the last 20 years around just about every single hiring type. Like, we do this oh, as been 20th they ain't been there that long, but you know what I mean? Like, right. we do this over and over and over again. And I think they figured out that on this issue, their fans don't really care or at the very least don't care enough to stop watching football games. And so they just keep on doing what they're doing in spite of the fact that if they improve their, their – it's not even improve their hiring. It's if they improve their interviewing. The only people that stand to – like, in fact, nobody actually stands to gain more than NFL teams. Like presumably they would be getting better coaches because they'd be expanding their searches. They're the ones that are losing in the name of propagating this racism. And yet they keep on doing it. But that's the story of American racism.
4: You can understand why people wake up this morning. They hear this story. Um, African-Americans certainly. And they're they're upset. They're frustrated. And I get it. Um, but to his point, and it's the point I made uh, earlier in, in first of all, we all should be frustrated if everybody's not getting a fair shake. Mm-hmm. I think we all agree with that, no matter your skin color. That's ridiculous. If you're qualified to do the job, it doesn't matter where you're from what you look like who cares you do the job um but he's right is that this thing is a juggernaut the nfl and you look at what's happened now in the last 45 days they've had to pay out 790 million dollars to a city because they did them wrong you've got this situation right here you've got issues with players that are upset with cte years ago which was a major story and yet in 10 days we'll all be around our tvs and there'll be 100 million of us watching that game yeah Right. And, and that's the juggernaut of the NFL. But uh, this is something, though, that I think is going to be front and center. And they're clearly going to have to address it. And it's going to be brought up a lot coming up when Roger Goodell, in his his uh, address, the, the kind of the State of the Union of the NFL, he's going to be asked about this a bunch. And a bunch. Dan, I would have thought when
3: we had Tony Dungy beating Lovie Smith in the Super Bowl, I would have thought, okay, we all know that – minorities are capable of winning Ron Rivera goes to a Super Bowl with the Panthers they should get opportunities this should be something that is behind us we know that these guys can coach but as Ryan Clark said there's nobody not nobody well in ownership nobody that looks like him that is doing the ultimate hiring and I do think there's part of that is that especially when you have a group of old white people there are some old white women that are owning teams They generally want to hire somebody that looks like them. They aren't as ownership in the NFL. is not as evolved as the people that are playing the sport or the people that are generally coaching the sport. And those are the people that put the rubber
4: stamp on, have the final say on hiring a coach. So where do we go from here? And, you know, he was right in the fact that we've been talking about the Rooney rule for a while now, mm-hmm. has it really made that much of a difference? Nope. And, it, and you got it, one African American coach in the league. You know, and if you're talking about an African American getting an interview but not really getting a fair shake just to check a box, then that's pointless. So mm-hmm. that's something that needs to be addressed.
2: And yesterday, as the Harbaugh news is coming out, where, where there's reports that essentially his meeting today with the Vikings is a formality to finalize a contract. At the exact same time that report's coming out, the Vikings threatened, sent out a tweet saying, we're very happy to complete our second interview with Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator for mm-hmm. the Giants, who's an, African, and who's an African-American man. So he's in the middle of an interview process while the people are saying behind the doors they've already hired Jim Harbaugh. So literally, it's happening in front of our eyes on Twitter at the exact same time this Stories breaking.
3: Right. And a report from Ann Arbor said that Harbaugh yesterday was saying goodbyes to staffers at Michigan. So it seems like, it, if that reporting is accurate, that he had the belief or the knowledge that he was going to Minnesota to become the head coach of the Vikings. By the way, one other uh, note here, and this is a great text from the 636. Wait, but their end zones tell
4: us to end racism. You mean the NFL lies to people for their own benefit? Well, here's the other thing, too. In your hiring practices, generally speaking, um in any walk of life you're looking for peri- uh, people that have periods in their their resume that have the experience the mm-hmm. problem is many of these african americans have never had the experience of being a head coach so yeah. it's very tough to break through to where you say oh well jim harbaugh he he coached the niners he was at stanford he's done michigan yeah we, we feel comfortable with this do we feel comfortable though stepping outside the box white or black in hiring somebody that hasn't been in the position of a head coach but the problem is these guys haven't been given the chance
3: and I want to respond to one other text here do you agree with that I give you agree 100 uh this is from the 636 he'll coach again Flores will little dramatic aren't we well Colin Kaepernick ticked off the owners and made them uncomfortable and how'd that work out for him in terms of playing, never played again. Never played again. Yeah, Brian Flores has ticked off the owners. I guarantee you, lawsuits tick them off and, and this, made them uncomfortable. This took some
4: serious guts to do what yeah. he did. They are not, serious guts. They are not above a black he took on the league. A guy, right? He took on the league. Exactly. You know, so. and, and what is a is uncomfortable a subject that you can possibly have? And and yeah. the alleg- and, and again, they're allegations at this point. So. That's something we, we always got to say. It's allegations. But if he can prove these things, mm-hmm. holy smokes, and that's I that, nasty.
2: I know they're going to the t- sell the team and maybe the front office changes, but whoever is inside of the Broncos front office needs to be ridiculed rightly for a very long time about well, that story because showing up an hour late to your own interview disheveled and looking hungover is just yeah. well, inexcusable 20 different ways. Bill
4: Belichick uh, in the text messages. Yeah. So the decision had already been made to hire somebody else, and yet you're bringing him in? I mean, that's that's terrible. You can't do that. No. That's Dan. That's Matt. I'm Randy.
3: And coming up next on 101 ESPN, apparently the talks between Major League Baseball and the Players Association went poorly yesterday. How will you feel if spring training is delayed in a couple of weeks? That's next on 101 ESPN. (laughs)
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: Major League Baseball owners and players met yesterday, and Evan Drellich of The Athletic tweeted that the 90-minute meeting between the MLB and the MLBPA was heated. Some owners and players participated. The association made moves in two areas, service time manipulation and pre-R bonus pool. They dropped the request for 100 from $105 million to $100 million for that bonus pool to be determined when the next core economics meeting will be. And so it doesn't look, Dan, like we're going to start spring training on February 14th or 15th, which is ordinarily when we start. Right. If we start the season on time, if we have a spring training that begins on March 7th and we're playing on April 1st, all this stuff is behind me very easily. Mm-hmm. But as a consumer of the sport... If I have to wait until mid-April and I have to go through March Madness and I have to get closer to the NFL Draft, I'm really frustrated because baseball did this to me two years ago. And I'm, I'm kind of tired of baseball doing this. They're, they're doing this to me. So I, I can handle spring training being delayed. I can handle not going to spring training, although I'd like to go. but. If we're going to miss regular season games and if they're going to start two weeks later and they're going to have an expanded playoff, we're probably playing something
4: like 144 games. That will really bother me. Uh, I I think, though, let's just say that there's a a timeline with this and the next two weeks and while we're under that uh, is, is pivotal to try to get this thing done on time. Now. I read all the tweets and see the writers say, well, it's in grave danger to start spring training on time. Is there any other kind? Yeah, it's right. Uh, it's frustrating because I think there's a lot of fans that have probably booked trips to go down to spring training. And, and they may still go because you're going to get out of the weather like we have today. And there's plenty of things to do in Florida outside of going to a baseball game. But the central point of the trip was to go watch some Cardinal baseball. Mm -hmm. and many people have done that for years, decades, to go do that in St. Peter Jupiter. So there's
3: frustration there. I want to read you this text from the 314. All right. Randy, I have spring training season tickets, and due to this Mm. lockout, I now have to cancel my condo tomorrow. I booked it years ago, same place every year. If they solve this by then, great. If not, hotels, flights, so many things that will cost us, the fans, more money. All the while, they try to keep
4: more for themselves. So there's the frustration of the immediate. Now, Let's talk about the big picture, which is what you were just referencing, If maybe a shortened season. I think by my count, I don't know if you agree with this, um, I would say March 1st, March 2nd, if there's not an agreement in place, very tough to get to opening day. Now, mm-hmm. if we miss opening day, there's going to be some people really mad. Now, the next couple of weeks, much of the focal point of the sports world is uh, on the Super Bowl and also the start of the Olympics tomorrow. Right. And that's going to take some of the sports attention away from what's happening with baseball. But the minute that that final seconds off the clock of the Super Bowl hit zero, I've always said it. I said, it's baseball time. I always tweet it out. It's now baseball season. And if we don't have that, then you're really going to start to frustrate some people. And I, I think a lot of fans are like you. I, I think a lot of fans are like, look, if they miss the first couple of weeks, I'm OK with it am I annoyed? Sure. I'm annoyed. Um, am I like blatantly upset to where I'm throwing things off the wall? No, I'm not there yet, but I'm getting close. You will be. Yeah. And I'm getting close and, and that's something you cannot miss sight of on both sides. If you're baseball. And here's the thing, Dan, we know that this is an 11, 12 billion
3: dollar annual industry. Yes. And the word greed which was, was used in that text. You can't, Honestly tell me that a group of 800 players and a group of 30 owners can't come up with a reasonable way to defi- divide
4: 12 billion dollars amongst themselves in an easy manner. Well the thing I think that's changed it as opposed to other years and that includes when we lost a world series is what's going on in our world and we're we're in a pandemic. And we've already had a shortened season last year we had limited attendance for fans that love and enjoy the sport mm-hmm. and and go to a lot of games and when you look at uh where we're at now with inflation and various things happening in our country a lot of divisiveness i mean there's a lot of things going on that this frustrates people where i i you know what i hear more than anything randy mm-hmm. and i i'm around town all the time you know this and mm-hmm. there various events and charitable stuff and and people come up and they want to talk baseball the prevailing thought i get is that i'm not mad at the owners i'm not mad at the players i'm mad at baseball right now yeah i'm mad at everybody i'm not taking a side like i'm really frustrated because i love the sport here's an issue and we'll
3: we'll get somebody on next week my daughter works in the social media industry and she said that for people below 25 years old the social engagement for baseball is so far below that of the NBA, the NFL, and then the NHL is down further. And MLS and is shooting up. MLS does a great job. Yep. And baseball needs, and I don't know if it's solvable or salvageable at this point. My daughter thinks that baseball is going to go by the wayside in 20, 25 years because people 20, less
4: than 25, they don't care at all it's not that
3: they hate it they're totally apathetic they don't care at
4: all about it to her point this is where i'd be concerned if i'm baseball and i I think they are with what i'm about to say in 25 years those kids are your your season ticket holders Mm -hmm. they're the ones buying your sweets they're the ones watching on television they're the ones that say let's go take the family to a ball game and, I, I, you know, if you took a poll of morning radio right now across the country, how many people are talking baseball? We live in such a great yeah. baseball town. It's very important to the sports fan and certainly the Cardinal fan here in this town. So we talk about it. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, a lot of people are talking about, and we have, the Brian Flores situation, uh, college football, it's a big day for them. So you have college football that's uh, obviously a massive sport in our country and in the the sports fan's conscience. And then, um, you've got the Olympics tomorrow. There's going to be an interest with that. So when those things go away, then baseball's at the forefront. And what are we doing to engage those young fans, which is the question we ask every single right. year at this time. And so get back on and the field and don't don't lose right. those. whoever you got, don't lose them and MLB Cardinals. I know you're
3: listening. For those people, it starts with social media and social media engagement. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, a quick version of You're Killing Me, Smalls, before we talk to Eli Drinkwitz to close things out today. Character and Smallman, Danny Mack, in for Michelle on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now?
8: You're killing me, Smalls. You're
1: killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN.
3: Michelle is on vacation, so Randy puts together.
8: You're killing me, Smalls. Mm.
3: Danny Thousand Oaks, California, basketball coach kids 10 years old fired for grabbing a ref's neck during a game should a coach be fired
4: for showing passion like that yes he should yes uh have you when's the last time you went to like a little league game when my kids were in little league so how many years has it been uh, probably 15 okay I a uh, a couple of years ago was at a soccer game my kid at that point was probably nine or ten uh, the team had to get pulled off the field because the opposing team's coach was losing his mind, along with their parents. Mm-hmm. And the referee just said, "I'm out." And these are high-level kids, very good soccer players. And he said, "I'm out." And I, I just sat there and I go, "What are we doing? What are we doing?" Mm-hmm. You know, these people. Every parent, it seems like, is like, you know, I got the next LeBron, I got the next Messi, I got the next uh, whatever. And I get it. I, you know, you're you're passionate about your kid, but at the end of the day. I say this sometimes to um, friends of mine. I said, do you remember the score of <laughs> the game last Saturday? No. Exactly. That's the point. Well, you don't
3: remember because no one cares. Dan, uh, I did a lot of high school football over the years. I ran into your brother a lot because he was a great high school official. He got asked to go do some big-time college stuff, yeah. too. And, yeah, and we can't get enough high school officials in the St. Louis area now, and teams have to play on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays up. so that officiating crews can double up because officiating crews are so often
4: accosted by parents after games. And it's not worth it. And for some of the kids at, at lower levels, what I mean is lower ages, it's it's teenage kids, mm-hmm. you know, making whatever they're going to make uh, to go call the games. and. And unless a referee is just out of control in terms of their behavior, you're going to run into bad ones yeah. it, in youth sports. Yeah, it right. happens. Right, but they're making a commitment. They're trying to help kids. Yes, majority of them,
3: yes. Yeah, Absolutely. If you're officiating high school or little league games, you're doing it because you, you care about other people.
4: You certainly aren't doing it to get rich. I, I did um, – I used to umpire a lot of games yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, even back in the day, man, I'm almost 50 years old, so we're talking, you know, jeez, 35 years mm-hmm. ago, almost 40. Uh, yeah, I, I'd have parents all mm-hmm. over me, all over me. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and whatever.
8: You're killing me, Smalls.
3: So, Dan, they've got this show, Celebrity Big Brother. Haven't seen it yet, but Lamar Odom is on it. I'm going to start watching it because Lamar Odom said to people in the Big Brother house, I had some good dreams last night. I dreamt about my ex-wife last night. He said that he's not over Chloe Kardashian and is still dreaming
4: about her. Really? No. Now Chloe just came out with a uh, revenge body. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So, but do you think it's on Lamar? No, I don't think it, I think it's more on Tristan. I think so too. I mean, she's she's clearly not happy that Tristan is uh gone aw- awry and and decided to have some more babies without her
2: and she apparently told him no matter what he does she'll st- she'll keep coming back which just seems like you're kind of setting yourself up for more failure. disappointment you know, yeah failure. a, l- a disappointment. lot of disappointment
4: yeah.
3: i wonder if he ever has dreams about that does he even remember
4: that uh we got the, bunny, get the ranch. bunny ranch yeah the bunny ranch or something remember they used to have a um a show on hbo that went behind the scenes in the bunny ranch yeah i remember that yeah it was a hell of a show it was
8: You're killing me, Small.
4: Dan, I got to tell you, I like Washington
3: football team better than Washington commanders. Why? Uh, I just think that they had developed something there. The commander's logo looks really stupid.
4: Describe it. I haven't seen it yet. It's just a W. They could have done it with the Washington football team. It's, I I don't I like I I want a nickname of some sort and you know what, what what happens with nicknames and everything else Randy and again they did this because of the former name mm-hmm. I understand that but if you stayed with Washington football team I don't think you sell as much merchandise That's so, true so now you come out with yep. the commanders and you're going to make yourself a bundle of money you're going to get the hats the jerseys the pullovers the shirts. Uh, the workout gear with Commanders on it because you're going to stay up to date. So you've just made yourself a bundle of money by doing that.
3: Hail to the Commanders. It works. Hail victory.
4: Hail commanders on
3: the warpath. Fight, fight, fight for fight, old
4: fight, D.C. Maybe. Yeah, it works. You got an extra syllable, but you can do it. I think you can pull it off. Yeah, I think so too. What about the Hogs? You want to bring them back? No, that's not going to work. No, that's- I used to have a big poster, of the Hogs. Yeah. That's politically incorrect now too, because you can't have guys
3: dressing up as with with dresses and hog noses anymore.
4: Really? No, I don't think so. I think that offends hogs. Oh, hogs don't wear dresses. I used to love that poster I had. It was a great poster. They had the lipstick going. The they had the uh, the fake hair. You know, they were in their skirts and these big beefy linemen it those, was awesome those were the days they were uh that is your killing me
3: smalls on 101 espn coming up it is signing day again for mizzou head coach eli drinkwitz will be kind enough to join us in just a few moments to talk about it on 101 espn
1: we're right back to the character and smallman podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn
3: Dan McLaughlin is in for Michelle. I'm Randy Carricker, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And it is signing day again in college football, and the head coach of the Missouri Tigers, Eli Drinkwitz, joins us on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Good morning, Coach. How are you doing?
9: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
3: Doing well. I want to know how you handle the snow. 10 to 15 inches in Columbia, just like here. How do you handle it, you and your family?
9: I go to work. I <laughs> They don't pay me to have snow days. There's no snow days in Florida or Georgia, so (laughs) we get get up here and get our stuff going and and, uh, have had a couple of signings today and and, uh, in here, watch some tape, get on the phone and do the things we need to do.
3: Love that. And the other question I have for you right off the bat, uh, during the break, our producer, Matt Rocchio, was talking about Star Wars. Are you a Star Wars guy?
9: (laughs) I've seen a few episodes.
4: Okay. Well, sometimes you, you you know, you got to dress up or come out with a lightsaber. You know, you never know during (laughs) a press conference. Yeah.
3: We've seen a few episodes too. Yeah. Uh,
9: Yeah. I mean, I've watched the originals. I'm not into all the the side episodes and all that stuff, but you know, I know who Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader is and Obi-Wan Kenobi and I get the general gist of the idea.
4: Yeah, and when appropriate, yeah. you got to dress uh, the part. You know what I'm saying, Coach? Um, let's yep. talk about uh, who you signed. <laughs> uh, let, let's talk about today. What kind of morning have uh, the Missouri Tigers had this morning?
9: Yeah, you know we've had a really good morning. Uh, we 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 did a great job. I thought our recruiting staff and player personnel department did a great job of finding a couple of extra players that we felt like were under recruited, could really help us. Uh, Curtis Piegler out of Uh, Demopolis, Alabama, an offensive lineman um, who we think has got really good length and athleticism and and, and just a physical player. And then uh, uh, Camarca Glass uh, out of uh, Louisiana, um, who is a 6'4", 210-pound linebacker who can really run and hit, got great size, is going to be able to add to the length of our football team and speed. Uh, And so felt like those two guys could really make an impact on our team and and we're good football players, so we wanted to add those guys to our team.
3: Eli, when you lose guys in the transfer portal, how important is it to go get their their replacement in the transfer portal? portal or do you go for that under-recruited guy that you might not see on the field for a year?
9: Well, it depends. Like, there, There's so many uh, unknowns about the transfer portal. I mean, there's guys who put their name in the transfer portal who really had no... Uh, who weren't really a part of the program. And then there's obviously big name guys who put their name in the transfer portal, who lo- lose, who leave for a different opportunity. It, it all depends on what you need for your football team um, for this upcoming season. And, 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 that's really what we're looking at is, okay, who, who do we, um, what do we need? What holes do we need to fill and what holes do we need to just continue to build and develop? I mean, you can't forget that just because somebody leaves doesn't mean there's not people behind them. Um, and, and that's, that's the reality of college football. College football is built on players who develop and, and over time have their opportunity. So um, we're, we're going to kick it off, and we're going to be a good football team this coming fall. And Got a lot of work to do to get there, but feel really good about the way the roster is right now.
4: Coach, from your perspective, is it exciting, the transfer portal, or is it a little bit of frustration, a little bit of both when you approach it where you might lose some kids that you want to keep, but yet you bring in some guys that you maybe didn't think you'd have a chance at a year or two ago?
9: Yeah, it's a lot of both. Um, I think it's frustrating when a, when a player comes in and tells you he's going to leave and and uh, you know for a different opportunity, and you really wish he would stay, which has happened to us. Um, um, and but it's also exciting when you know you get to utilize the transfer portal to add value to your team and 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 kind of create uh, some competition. I think both sides have to be very cognizant. I think as coaches, we got to be cognizant of. The grass isn't always greener, like the player out of the transfer portal may not be exactly what the, what you thought. They're leaving for a reason, too. But same thing with players. Um, you know, the grass may not be greener at the other location that they're considering, too. So I think it's, uh, you know, anytime you're in a new frontier, uh, there's always going to be, you know, some trepidation about how you go through it.
3: Eli Drinkwitz with us on 101 ESPN. How many of your early signings do you already have on campus?
9: Um, well, you know, it, it, this whole traditional signing day and signings are different. We have six freshmen, um, but we have all of our transfer players uh, currently here um, on campus, too. And, and so I think we signed uh, maybe 12 or 13 of those, and, the, and those guys are here on campus ready to go. So, um, you know, we, we've got probably a class, a new class of uh, 18 or 19 on campus right now.
3: Eli, when I was in high school, nobody graduated early. Was it like that for you? To, were, were people graduating in December so that they, they could get into college in the second semester of their senior year?
9: It was very rare, and it's a, it, you know it was very rare. Now, when I was coaching high school football, you started to see it, and it was mainly for uh, quarterbacks. You know, those were the guys mm-hmm. uh, who would leave early. But it's excuse me, it's becoming more and more a reality of, of college football.
4: How about uh, – and, and you can Im- imagine the excitement around Luther Burden here in St. Louis and around the area, around the state. Uh, is he on campus? Have you seen him? What, what's going on with Luther?
9: Yeah, I see him every day. Luther's on campus. He's working out really hard, uh, putting in the extra work on the weekends with the quarterbacks uh, and, and is, is doing all the things uh, that he needs to do. I you know, want to caution everybody. It's still going to be a process, an adjustment to college football. Uh, but, but he, man, he is attacking a great attitude, hungry to learn, hungry to develop.
3: He has a swagger on social media. Does he have that same swagger when you are with him face to face?
9: You know, he's actually a really quiet kid face to face, uh, and doesn't say a whole lot, but but he does take some good pictures on Instagram.
3: <laughs> he sure does. Eli, uh, I got a, a couple of text questions here. Number one, about the running back position. Do you have anybody that has the edge there? Do you like running back by committee? Beatty, obviously, was your bell cow last year. How do you like to handle that?
9: You know, obviously, we would love to um, have running back by committee to get more people to ball, but when but when you have a special player, like we had Larry Roundtree and we had Tyler Beatty, then you got to feature those guys. You know, we've got uh, we've added some some players to that competition uh, for that position. Obviously, we added uh, Nathaniel Pete from Stanford, who was a transfer who went to school here in Columbia. Rockbridge was a state 100 meter champion before he went out to Stanford and wanted to get come back. Uh, We added Cody Schrader, who's actually from St. Louis, who was uh, played at Truman State, led the entire NCAA in rushing. And so there's going to be really good competition at that position. Um, and we won't know anything until coming out of spring, kind of where those guys are at, and then going into fall camp.
3: And then will you open up quarterback? Will that be an open competition with the freshmen plus the two guys that are coming back?
9: Yeah, absolutely. Open competition, you know, we opened it for the bowl game. Felt like Brady played well in that bowl game, but uh, look forward to see how Tyler continues to develop uh, this offseason, Brady continue to develop, uh, and, and see what happens when Sam gets here.
4: What is the uh, like your your next couple of weeks are probably you probably have your life mapped out, but uh, what are the next few weeks for for Mizzou? Yeah, right, for Mizzou football. So you guys are working out, but then you got spring practices. How many you can have? Then the scrimmage, all those things. So this is obviously a big day, but then what's what's tomorrow and beyond look like in the next few weeks and months?
9: Yeah, so our guys are working out. Uh, they work out five days a week. We have football school three days a week where we're. Um, you know, different curriculums for each, each week. First week is player skill development, skills and drills. Second week is um, uh, football intelligence, just FBI. And then the third week will be scheme development. And then February 23rd and 4th, we'll start spring practice. um, And we'll get 15 in before we go on spring break on March. I think March 24th or 5th is our last uh, spring practice. And then uh, that gives us an opportunity to go to spring break, come back in April and really, uh, Dive into the weight room, get five weeks of uninterrupted training. They'll get about a week and a half off after finals. They'll come back in here, and we'll get eight weeks of uninterrupted training before fall camp. Um, and so, and then we'll be teeing it up versus Louisiana Tech here at home, Frofield.
4: Yeah, it'll be here before you know it. Coach, how are you and your family liking the state of Missouri and Columbia? And just, you know, you you got into a tough situation as a coach. For all of us, it was tough. But you you walk in and you get hit. You know, everybody gets hit with COVID with the situation of what you had to deal with and taking over a program. So on a personal level, how are you enjoying the state and the people and that kind of thing? And, And just the football aspect of it as well in Columbia?
9: You know, we, our family really has enjoyed our time and the reception that we get and, and, uh, you know, we're really comfortable. Girls are playing basketball. We got softball coming up. My four-year-old's fixing to start T-ball softball. And so, you know, we're really getting into a good rhythm and routine. We obviously, uh, you know, I took my daughter to the Kansas City Chiefs game on Sunday, had a great time, great time there. Uh, went to the Cardinals last summer on my daughter's birthday, and, and look forward to Opening Day there. Got to get to a Blues game; I haven't been to that just yet, but but going to get that done soon. And so, man, we love the state. We always go down to uh, Table Rock Lake for the Fourth of July and and have a great time down there. So, um, w- we really enjoy the state of Missouri and and all the things that it's it's for you know does for us, and and uh, the accessibility that we have to two large metropolitan areas and the different. Um, you know, really cultures that both of them have. Whether you go to the Hill in St. Louis, or you go to the Plaza uh, in Kansas City, or the World War One Museum, or you go uh, to a Cardinals game, Chiefs game, it's just a lot of fun. Get down to Springfield, get down to the lakes of Branson. Um, you know, it's just a great state. We're, we're our families very proud to be here and proud to represent this university.
3: Eli, one last thing. As competitive as, as you are, I have to believe that you love the idea of Georgia and Alabama playing for the national championship. And those are the teams, the, the programs that you're chasing down and you're in the same conference as those two teams.
9: Yeah, I mean, it just it reminds you that your your best path to winning the national championship is playing in the SEC and winning your conference. And so that's the mark. That's what we have to do. Um, that's the competitive drive that our, everybody in our organization understands and knows. They've got the, the standard that we got to go meet it. Uh, it starts with great recruiting, which we've, we continue to do. You can't just do it once. Um, you got to stack good classes. you got to develop your players. Uh, we've got to continue to get buy-in from the community and invest and understand that it's not just going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time, uh, but we're putting in the work to make it
3: happen. You sure are. Great to hear your voice. Congratulations on the signings today. We always appreciate you coming on, and we'll talk to you soon.
7: All right, man. Appreciate
3: you. Thanks, Thanks Eli. Eli Drinkwitz, Mizzou football coach um 101 ESPN. Boy, he's got the state figured out. That was a,
4: a nice sales pitch there, wasn't I, it? I would say so. He's got the hill. He had the memorial. The plaza. He had the Cardinal game, Chiefs game. Yeah, he's all over it. He's great. Yep. He's fun. Uh, this was
3: a great show. Great job today by our producer, engineer, the one and only Matt Rocchio. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Dan. You and got Daniel, it. tomorrow we're going to talk a little Big Red football. I love it. With uh, Bob Underwood from Big Red STL. He does a great job. He, I, I love on Twitter. his stuff. Going to talk to Greg Amzinger. We've got quite a show coming your way tomorrow. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson, and the Balloon Party coming up next on 101 ESPN. Until tomorrow at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis.
1: You've been listening to the character and Smallman Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: When it comes to sports, you can't beat live. Vivid Seats has tickets to all of your favorite teams at great prices. And all with a 100% buyer
2: guarantee. Visit vividseats.com or download the app and use 10 sports for $10
8: off your first $100 purchase. Here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from LecVio. Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, Nine mediocre middle school recitals? One heart attack? And with Lecvio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription Lecvio and glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects are injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at lecvio.com. Or call 1 833 537 8462. Ask your doctor about Lecvio. That's L E Q B I O. Lower, Longer Lecvio.